Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Talk Radio. Yes, I'm here. <laughs> we'll fix that in touch. You can't hear me? Hello there, and welcome to Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete. As you heard at the top of the show, yes, we can hear you, Cal. We were having some technical difficulties getting the show off the ground tonight, but we're here. Cal. We are we are live. We are clearly being produced by Pop Culture PJ. It is episode number 3.31. Uh, we're going to have Brian Bassett from thejetsblog.com on the SNY network of blogs uh, to talk about the Jets, we are live from Bayside, from Comac, almost sort of from Comac. Not really from Comac because Cal is without uh, any sort of uh, internet, interwebs. So he's calling this one in, old school. And PJ's exhausted. We had a week off, and PJ needs a 30-hour day. So uh, it is Thursday night. It is 9.30. It is time for Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete's New York Sports Talk podcast and otherwise. And let's just bring him in here. Let's just get him in here. Let's just quit playing around. That's right. For the 31st time this year, my partner in crime, my partner in grime, my partner in all things that rhyme with the chime of the bells of the saints. It's Cal. Cal Neva Calpino Caliente. Hi, Brian. Hi, Steve. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm, I the, am, I'm still in Comac. Yes, but Comac is not working. No. Well, the studios in Comac are not working. That's for sure. That's correct. Is there some sort of strike? Yeah. It's, uh, you know, when you, when you deal with unions, it's... Yeah. It's no, struggling. you're... Yeah. It, we take a week off and, uh, I mean, gee whiz. Oh, it's awful. You know, uh, well, it's good to uh, have you. How was your week off? What did you do on sabbatical? Did you uh, did you write a book? Yeah, you climbed a mountain. Plane? You climbed? Did you climb a mountain? I did. Hey, you know what? Just don't wear any bracelets from your kids. No, you the mountain. Wouldn't wouldn't want that to happen. Yeah, uh, yeah, because you know, 
heavens forbid, you know, the guy wears bracelets that he's been wearing for, uh, you know, 23 starts. Right. Now, all of a sudden, let's uh, let's make him take it off. Let's make And let's make him cut them off also. <laughs> That's right. You know? Let's make, make uh, R.A. Dickey cut off the bracelets that his daughters gave him when he was about to ascend Mount Kilimanjaro for charity. And he's been wearing them since January. He's having the season of a lifetime. He's the greatest story in baseball. Mm. Uh, you know what? Third inning? You got to cut those off. Did you see when the umpires came out with pictures of his daughters and ripped them up in front of his face? <laughs> I did. And I thought that was a little over the top. It just like ripped them up and then threw it in like confetti. All That's over. right. Sprinkled confetti down on him slowly. Yeah, nice. <laughs> uh, Cal, it's uh, it's good to be back, man. Yeah, you you know you you take a week off and you really miss it. I I did, I did. I had my uh, my big bachelor week at City Field. That went bachelor well. week. That was you know everybody was talking about that. We were looking forward to it so much. How'd that work out for you? That went pretty good. I went zero and three. Right. Um, the two of the games were blowouts. Um, really not a good representation of Met baseball. Not good, huh? Uh, it was. <laughs> Right, seemed seemed like a much better idea at the time, didn't it? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna sum up Bachelor Week uh, with two points, if I may. Please. The first was I announced Bachelor Week like six weeks ago, like right around the All Star break. There were right. seven games over. Bachelor Week was happening. My wife was going uh, to Texas for the week to visit her family with Wesley, uh, and I made the plan to go to all six games of the Met homestand. They were riding high, Cal. What, what can go wrong? What, what could go wrong? That's why you hype it six week six weeks in advance. That's right. Like Joey. That's right. We had the right? we had the we had the t-shirts made and everything. You can't miss. It 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 was like it was a lot like Joey. Right. Um. Exactly. Right down to me being a uh, a stereotypical Italian actor. <laughs> It was right down to the T. So I, uh, of course, they went into a uh, a swoon for the ages. Bachelor week ruined, but I got to go through with it now because now I've made plans to go with separate people. Well, but but you you altered it a little bit because originally the original plan of Bachelor week was every game that week. That's right. So you didn't That's quite right. make it to every game. No, I I. I I tempered that. It was. Yeah. I didn't go to all six games. I went to three of the six games on the homestand. I went to a game with you on the Tuesday night. They lost. They did, but it was a delight. It was great to go to a ball game with you. Of course, work kept me there till eight o'clock. I didn't get there till the fourth inning. They were already down four nothing. Well, that was great. Yeah, and that's that was very similar to the to the Saturday night game. But go on with your story. Right. Uh, then went on Friday night with Big Paulie. With uh, my uncle Tom, also known as Big Pauly, uh, that was fantastic. That was great because he and I uh, needed a little bonding time. It had been a while since we hung out. Of course, uh, uh, they lost, but we got to see Matt Harvey's uh, first outing at City Field. Right, that was great. Uh, he pitched really, really well. Gave up a two-run home run in the first. That was it. Six innings, two runs, uh, two hits, five walks. I was impressed. He is the anti-Pelfrey, by the way. Oh, no, no. They will tell you that he is the second coming of Mike Pelfrey. Yeah, he's the anti-Pelfrey. When it comes to mound demeanor, um, doggedness, uh, toughness, uh, bearing down, if that was Mike Pelfrey in his rookie year, he would have gave up. He would have given up nine runs before we sat down. So essentially, Which, what you're saying is they're both tall. 
That's correct. The 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 similarities are they were both taken in the first round, uh, highly touted draft picks in the top ten actually. Right. And they're both tall. And that's and that's it. That's where it ends. Okay. Um, but that was great on Friday night. Even though they lost, that was a that was a well worth it. Well, yeah, I got also, my. You also told me that it was maybe the best weather night for a game you ever had. One of the best weather nights I've had in recent memory for a game. I mean, it was supposed to rain. It was beautiful. Nice. Yeah. The, no, the weather was a delight. It was like San Diego. I thought I was watching a Padres game. It was like 82 degrees with a breeze, no humidity. Uh, I'm in uh, shorts and a t-shirt, nice, comfortable, a delight. No humidity, no offense either. <laughs> that's correct. The uh, humidity, that's right. At that point, I had seen a grand total of, I think, one run in 18 innings of baseball. <laughs> um, no, they got a couple of runs uh, in the uh, in the game we went to, right? Would they lose that game 6-2 it wound up being or something like that? Uh, it was 4-2. Yeah. Oh, right. And they lost uh, 4-2 in the Harvey game, too. Oh, right. no, they got shut out that game. Shut out. Right. Then the next night, we went with the guys, because we had planned it. Right. Uh, and that was great. They were down 9 nothing before we got to the seats, so that was good. Mm. Johan Santana. 9 nothing. 9. Right. That's right. 9 nothing in the second inning. That's a uh, three field goals. That's a touchdown and a field goal and a missed extra point. Yeah, that included a home run by Freddie Freeman over the apple. That, that included a home run by Freddie Freeman that almost hit us in center field. That's true. We were, you know, I was at the Taqueria with our buddy Dan, and, and had the Taqueria not been there, we would have been hit by that home run. That's correct. You and Nello almost got drilled by that 470-foot <laughs> Freddie Freeman home run. Uh, that was one of those deals where we were behind uh, at City Field. You can actually look in and... and uh, and when you're be, uh, behind center field, there's a huge – that's where all the food is and stuff. It's a great area. And you can watch the game there on the huge TV, but also look in. Right. And we're watching on the TV, and I'm like, that ball's coming right at us. <laughs> you know? And then you like you run up a little bit to the railing, and you're like, oh, there it is. Yeah. I, right I can maybe catch that. 450 feet away. Yeah, that was a bomb ski. Yeah, is uh is so it was uh it was good though to go with the guys and and had a good time again they got killed but went to a game with uh, some fellas. Uh, bottom line, end of story. Final report on Bachelor Week at City Field, which again the T-shirts look really good. They were sharp. The T-shirts came out really nice. It looks like a uh, uh what do you call it? like a concert tee. Right. With the with the with the three games and their corresponding results on the back. <laughs> That's right. It looks like a concert tee. Right. We shall see no runs. That's in quotations. That's <laughs> it. But uh, anyway, it was fun. So that I did on my way. We shall see no runs. We shall like see it. no runs. It sounds like a Yes album. <laughs> <laughs> Piper at the gates is. Oh, that's is that Yes? No, that's Pink Floyd. Piper at the gates is on. Um, PJ is having a conniption right now that we're talking about Pink Floyd and Yes, and he's somehow not on the air right now. I know. Um, we'll bring him on in a second. Uh, how was your week off? You became an uncle again? I did. Um, was that during? I guess it was during that week. I think it was no. right before, maybe. It was before. Yes, I became an uncle. But we didn't. Uh, now, what time is this? You're an uncle for the 37th time. I am now a, oof, a five-time uncle. Is that like gold gloves? 
It's kind of like, <laughs> like the Golden Gloves. That's right. The, is, right, that, is that what it is? The boxing, the Golden Gloves. The Golden Gloves. He's a yeah. five. No, but you're like a five-time Gold Glover. Right. Five-time All Star. Five-time Uncle. Right. Five-time Manager of the Year. Correct. Five-time Uncle of the Year. Have five-time, you won? Well, have you won Uncle of the Year yet? Uh, I. No, I've got. A, I'm. I've been Father of the Year a couple times. Nice. Along with you know millions of others. That's correct. Well, you have the T-shirt and the mug. I got the mug to prove it. That's right. <laughs> ceremony when they award that mug to you. It's dignified. It's a small dignified ceremony. It is. Usually, there's uh, milk being spilled and screaming and. Somehow, crying. it's usually the the second uh, weekend of June. Third. Or the third weekend. Right. Well, there you go. I have well, never won Father of the Year, so clearly, I don't know when it's uh, awarded. Well, because you 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 always fail to get your application in on time. <laughs> it's like a a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Is it? There's a deadline. Do you know for a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, you you get nominated? Who nominates you? The you know it's like a you, like maybe a, a oh I have a new favorite word by the way I'll work it in later. Okay, I'll know it's, it when I hear it, won't I? Right. It's it would be perfect here, but there's this like sort of a betting story behind it with football, so I want to save it. Good. But uh, you get nominated by a group of people or whatever, and then it has to go to like the city of Hollywood and the Chamber of Commerce. Wow. And then they decide that you're going to get a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. So like if the Walk of Fame just happened to be in Bayside, it would be like the Bayside Chamber of Commerce would be voting on it. That's absolutely right. You don't have to have any sort of you know, no, no. Special. You don't uh, have to talk to the Grauman Chinese theater people. You don't have to. Can we say that? Can you still say Chinese theater? I don't know. Is it the Asian American theater now? Well, no, because it's the name of the theater. Right. So, so we're okay there. PC. You're okay, yeah. Like you don't you, you don't call it Asian American food. Chinese <laughs> food. <laughs> that's correct. Right? Although that's next. Gosh, I love Chinese food. Do you love Chinese food? I do. Not as much as my wife. Oh, is she a, is she a junkie for it? <sighs> junkie. She'll eat it for breakfast. I love if, it. If given half the chance. I absolutely love it. Oh, my goodness. And I've, yeah. I I have the uh, the fortune, again, of having that wife from Texas. So all of a sudden you have different – you know, Chinese food for an Italian guy from Long Island – you know, with, from Comac with the, the, the Jewish people, the Italians, the Chinese food's like a way of life. That's like right. Friday night. You're, right. Friday night, you're either getting Chinese food or you're getting pizza. I mean, let's, let's you know, this is what happens. That's right. And now listen, uh, go to Chinese food meal. Tell me what it is. Excellent question. This is a perfect time to bring in PJ, too. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, and we do have Brian Bassett coming up from the JetsBlog.com on the SNY TV uh, Network of blogs. He's good. We're gonna. We've been trying to get him for a long time. It's gonna be awesome, Brian. I'm very, very excited to. I'm excited too. Yeah, to like have positive jet talk. Is there like such I, a thing? I said to him today. I said, let's be the exception to the current rule. Let's have a nice. Let's have a conversation. Nice. You know, maybe uh, uh, have a glass of wine. Anyway, go to. There he is. Way to nuke Lelouch it, my friend. Way to announce your presence with authority. Here he is, the bishop, pop culture PJ. Hello, Peach. Good evening. Hi. 
How was your? Uh, how was it? We we have a pending question. We'll get to it in a second. But how was your? Uh, how was your sabbatical? I, I heard yes, Pink Floyd and Chinese food. It's like it's like a tailor made. It's like wheelhouse PJ. <laughs> That's also known as your senior year of college. Ooh. <laughs> your first senior Blood year. pressure issues. Right, your first senior year. Right. Right. Oh yeah. Um, well. Hey, look. Senior year A, senior year B. Keep doing it till you get it right. They can't kick you out if you keep paying. No, they did. <laughs> no, they got wise. <laughs> they called me up. They said, enough. Right. We need to know your go-to Chinese food meal. We need to know, uh, but first, and most importantly, I know you had a crazy week off. You were on vacation, like a literal vacation. Not just climb, a vacation from ourselves. Climb some mountains, you know. We grow mustaches. You went up to uh, New Hampshire and climbed mountains. Oh, he literally climbed the mountain. That's correct. Oh. Uh, and yeah. uh, I'm how, joking. You no, know, he went. They they climbed the mountain. Huh. He's very sport goofy when you're not looking. More more than one. Multiple mountains. Yeah. How do you not have climb every mountain queued up, by the way? <laughs> Put every stream. Right. <laughs> You'll just sing it. Hey, before we get to a uh, go-to Chinese food meal, because that is a magnificent question. How did Lily do today? How did Lily do? Oh, oral surgery? Yeah. It was okay. Oral surgery today, Cal. Ooh. That's you have you have this to look forward to. Uh, no, I yeah. don't. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, uh, it's well, it's all in the name of orthodonture, which I think we've all agreed that when the archaeologists look back on us twenty five hundred years from now, um, that's going to be the barbarism of <laughs> of American culture. <laughs> it's going to be orthodonture, right? The way bound and, feet are looked upon. That's right. <laughs> Orthodontia is going to be like the bracelets. Their kids' teeth. <laughs> the bracelets up the neck. Right. <laughs> right. That's correct. Right. Right. Wow. Neck today. Great. Was this torture of some sort? No, no. You paid thousands of dollars for this. Right. Thousands is of dollars. This, was this some sort of medieval punishment? They got rid of the stockade and they made something very small. Let me get this straight. You're not leeching anymore. But you're putting a retainer in. No, no. And, uh, Let me tell you this: you're not squeamish, are you? I'm not. But you, you got to go answer the call. The guy's calling in. Oh, there he is. There I'll, he is. We'll talk go about this later. We will talk about this later. Maybe. Major, major oral surgery, Cal. Yeah, I'm uh, having a daughter who's close to that age. I'm squeamish, so. Yeah. Maybe take that oh, one offline. Then you're not going to want to hear at all. No. What they had to do to poor Lily today. Oh, man. I don't want to know. Ladies and gentlemen, don't let your children suck their thumb. At all. Like If I see Wesley doing it, forget it. Forget it. It stops immediately. That ship has sailed over here. Yeah. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. You, then you're not going to want to hear this at all. Well, it's no, good. To- that, that, I might, I might uh, cut out early. If you know, I might use <laughs> a couple of personal hours tonight. And just kind of. <laughs> Cal's taking a personal day. So uh, to sum up, 
we'll talk to Pete later in the show about the the dentistry and stuff like that. And also, Danny is really close to his uh, Taekwondo black belt, Cal. Seriously. Wow. He's seven, folks. That's unbelievable. I know. <laughs> but he he has to like beat up like seventeen guys. I don't know. It's really involved to get his black belts. Uh, <laughs> it's to catch a fly with chopsticks or something. I don't know. It's very involved. Um, Cal, we're, we're gonna uh, about to have Brian Bassett on from uh, thejetsblog.com, which is something I think you've been reading for a long time. I've been really reading it for a long time. Um, it's uh, couched into that SNY.TV network of blogs, which we frequent, uh, you know, all the time. Um, we've been trying to get Brian for a while. We're going to talk about the Jets. To sum up in the big unload, Brian, uh, you're a five-time uncle. Yeah. Congratulations again. Uh, we can't wait to see the plaque. That's going to be great. That? Yeah, it's like the Stanley Cup. They just add another ring. <laughs> Uh, bachelor week at City Field, uh, a moderate success. Not so much with the wins and losses, but uh, I had a great time seeing the guys and uh, going to the park every night like uh, I didn't have a care in the world. When I have many cares. Well, I, we discovered in that week off I don't like to be alone. Still. I was just going to say, Bachelor Week, you know, a welcome end to Bachelor Week also. That's correct. A welcome end to Bachelor Week. Right. Because uh, I, boy... I, I went Jerry Maguire there for a couple nights. I do not. I do not do well alone. Not you ate a whole wheel of cheese. I'm just not even mad. It's amazing. Uh, we're going to talk about the Mets later on in the show, uh, and and the Yankees uh, who are doing miraculous things with all the injuries that they have again, shockingly. But without further ado, uh, let's bring in uh, Brian Bassett. I've been. Um, I don't know if Brian knows this band. I've been dying to use this band uh, for intro music. Uh, so uh, here it is. I don't know. And, and I, I went with a song called Options. little nod towards the Wildcat. Uh, the Option. I don't know. It's a stretch, but I, I just wanted to get Gomez involved. So here he is. We've been trying to get him on for a long time. Welcome to Ready to Unload uh, with Cal and Sam Pete. I am Sam Pete, Brian. Uh, Cal is over there. Hello. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on. Man. Absolutely. Thank you for, for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Uh, you guys are talking about dental work. I actually had to get a filling done today. So uh, if we're, well, maybe we'll start with that that breaking news. Um, <laughs> let's, let's, go, uh, let's go right now to the RTU newsroom. Breaking. You should have, uh, Brian, you should have tweeted that. With, uh, with well, the I break should have, yeah. Down. Yeah, that would have been good. That would have been good. That would have been, uh, you know, all over, all over. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, no, um, thanks, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it, guys. And, um, uh, yeah, so I, I know you've had some of the other folks. I've, it looks like I was kind of I'm following in the footsteps of greats like Ted Berg and, and some of the other fellows. So I'm, I'm happy to finally make an appearance. Beautiful. Yeah, the big ones. You know, the, the, big, the big guys, the, the Cerrone. That's right. The, the Ted yes. Berg of the world. Yeah. They, we're talking exactly. about big people. No, seriously, right. uh, you, you're our first uh, jet blogger on, which is, uh, oh, and, and you know, okay. talk about the jets, and, and that's fantastic. And uh, I want to, I want to jump right in with a couple of things, uh, Bri, uh, if I may call you that. Uh, oh, please, please do. <laughs> I'll take. It's confusing though, because I don't know who you're talking to. Well, you're Cal. That's true. I mean, we've done 115 shows. You're Cal. Cal. I only call you. I only call you Brian when I'm very angry with you. Yeah, but I've been Brian for 
like 38 years. So That's true. That's true. Well, you know, around these parts, you're Cal. Well, good, good job. Way to confuse everybody. That's all right. I'm Cal. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm Cal. Um, Sorry, Brian. <laughs> one of the things, uh, Bassett, that we wanted to talk about was, um, uh, first and foremost, the Jets break camp today. Um, they had their time up in Cortland. Uh, they were dying to be back there. You were up there for the whole time? Were you up for? No, no. I was. I was just up for a couple of days. I do the blog. It's it's a fun thing for me, but unfortunately, you know, whereas Cerrone gets to kind of do it every day for his full time job, I have a full time job and I do it as a as a fun side project. And so, so yeah, I was up there for the start of camp, um, and uh, you know, definitely, you know, kind of keep keep on top of stuff. But yeah, I was up there for like kind of the first weekend, like four days, something like that. Okay, cool. So uh, you had a, a chance, though, to be up there a little bit to get – and we're going to get to you later because I have a ton of questions, and so does Brian Calvi, about um, you know how bloggers, how bloggers are treated uh, uh, in NFL circles and stuff like that. I've actually talked to Jeff, uh, you know, uh, Green Lantern Jet, a little bit mm-hmm. about Twitter, about uh, there's, a, there's a distinct difference, it seems, between the, uh, the MLB – uh, guys and, and Cerrone and, and Berg and the experience that they're having with the Mets and being welcome and getting passes and getting access and stuff. So I, I do want to touch on that later. But back in Cortland, Brian and I have talked a ton on this show about how important that was uh, to be for this team, especially with uh, Tim Tebow coming in and the circus and the thing and the whole thing. Um, do you, did you get an immediate feel that it was different than camp last year, that they were happy to be back, that there was a, a, a collegiality that was uh, missing? Uh, I would say I feel like, um, yeah, in, in years past, it definitely was different. Um, I, I think one of the biggest differences of kind of the, the Rex Ryan, uh, Mark Sanchez you know, regime is is just kind of, uh, one of the big things I noticed was Mark's demeanor on the field and just kind of the way he would he would act. Um, I think one of the most interesting things is in years past, um, he would like I would see him like carrying the pads or the helmets of other guys, like as they were kind of leaving the field or whatever. And like you understand what he's trying to do, he's trying to like you know whatever you know be one of the guys, kind of help out his guys, you know that kind of thing and. Um, I mean, and I saw his dad doing that for him. So it's like it's clearly something where it's in his family, where they're big about helping and that sort of thing. But this is the first time at camp where I kind of saw him really taking command of the huddle, of screaming at guys, of you know, of getting over, like showing Stephen Hill, like kind of standing and saying, "This is how you need to catch the ball. Let me show you with my hands, and you know, this is what oh, wow. the placement should be, and all that sort of thing." And I never saw him do any of that before, and he definitely was kind of, you know, taking more of a command of his offense, more than I've seen him in years past. Um, and, and everybody else noticed it too. So, so yeah, I think it was, I think that, you know, it was certainly Mark's team coming in and he wanted to make that clear that, hey, this is my team, he goes here or whatever, but it's my team. Now, Brian, the, the rest of the team are all saying the right things. The veterans on the team are, are saying that this is Mark's team. And you said, you know, you've seen a difference in, in the way he's approached camp this year. How did you – what was your impression of the way the other guys on the team responded to the way Mark came into camp this year and, and, and his new approach? 
Uh, I think I think they responded to it for the most part. You know, they were all listening. Um, you know, especially when you think about as receivers um, and even running backs. I mean, who's there that's been there longer than him, um, you know, or been in the league even longer than him? And and really, there's there's no one. Um, I mean, Santonio Holmes is, is the exception. Dustin Keller it might might be an exception, but pretty much everybody else, Stephen Hill, Joe McKnight, Patrick Turner, Jeremy Curley, you know, all those guys, they all have come in at the time he came in or after him. Whereas in years past, you know, there's guys like Jericho, there's guys like Braylon Edwards, there's Derek Mason, whoever it is, there's all these guys that he kind of feels like, hey, you know, I need to, um, I don't know, for lack of a better term, but basically, you know, kind of, justify to them that, it, you know, apologize for being a quarterback. I don't really think he feels that way anymore. Right. Um, which, again, which is and great. They, and they yeah. do respond to it. Yeah. That's yeah. what you want, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is what, one of the things that kills me, and I, I, I do have a question about the, what you just brought up about the receivers that are there because everybody's going uh, crazy pants about this. And, you know, if the season started today, well, it doesn't. Um, but, <laughs> But before I get to that, you know, every one of the things that was sort of crazy about the Tebow situation was the the team was and look, let's face it, they can't do much right in the media, but the team was killed at the end of last season for not having any competition for uh, uh, Mark Sanchez and and Sanchez, uh, you know, the articles for Manish Mita uh, Mita about uh, he's coddled, he's this, he's that. Uh, he doesn't work hard, all this sort of stuff, which uh, you've been around the team. You've had some access to the team. You must have read that and been like, it's nonsense. And because yeah. everybody else came out and said he's like the hardest worker in the world. So, uh, But they, they got killed for not having competition for him. Well, they brought in competition for him. Now, granted, mm-hmm. we could talk about all the ancillary crap that Tebow brings with him. And I thought that's one of the reasons the GQ article was, was spot on. And and we'll get to Tebow because you have to dedicate some time to that. But um, I I think his reaction so far from from a distance, uh, and and from basically following him on the Jets blog, um, <laughs> is has been exactly what you want to see. It has been him taking charge of the team, and it has been the result that they wanted from getting him competition. I think you're exactly right. Yeah, I think. Um... You know, when, when Mark Brunel is behind him on the depth chart, you know, I mean, he, he's, you know, he, he was barely in the league, right? And, I mean, was he helpful to him? Yeah, absolutely he was a help to him. He had a lot of experience, and he could calm him down, and he could kind of be another quarterback coach or whatever. But, you know, if, if Mark's injured, you know, is that the guy you really want there? Or And, and right, so you have this interesting dynamic now where it's like if, if Mark is at, let's say, 70%, you know, if he's injured – He's at seventy percent, and the coaches and everybody's trying to decide what they're going to do about Sanchez. Like, you know, if it's if it's Tim Tebow or it's Mark Brunel, like your tolerance for going for the backup is much higher. <laughs> you know, you're much more likely to go towards the backup than you would for a guy like Mark Brunel. You're like, well, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll run Mark Sanchez out there at seventy percent, whatever. Um, so, so right, I think the point is. Absolutely, he felt the pressure and he and he felt the heat. And then, right there, also there's also the sense of you know he's going to be Mark will be you know be removed from center, let's say, even if he's you know playing wide receiver or whatever, um, you know, in the in the wildcat package or red zone or Tebow package, whatever you want to call it. Like um, 
there's times where he's not going to be the guy taking the snap. And so in his mind, you know, any opportunity, he, he doesn't want to relinquish that, I'm sure. No quarterback would. Uh, but at the same time, um, the only way for him to uh, whatever, mitigate that is basically to say, you know what, I'm playing so well that they don't need to do this. Right, um, and also... And so, right, so, yeah, so it's an all-around kind of raises the bar for him. Yeah. Right, and also we don't know what that package is going to look like. Again, we have no idea right. what that... I, I've been arguing with people for three months. Not arguing, having discussions. Animated discussions. <laughs> not not arguing. We're, we're negotiating. It's a negotiation. Um... No, but I, you know, I've been having discussions with Jet fans and and the like about how we have no idea what the package is going to look like. It it could include the both of them in the backfield at the same time, and right. you don't know who's going to get oh, the yeah. snap from center. It could include Tebow as a running back, as an H back, with Sanchez under. You know, to to say that he's just going to run the wildcat and Sanchez is either going to have to come out or go to receiver, is really really just sort of rabble rousing. It really is because you yeah don't know and they're you know they have a weapon like that they're going to use it as as i i i'm now interested to see how they're going to use it because he hasn't been running the wildcat tim tebow he's been running the single wing option it's a different offense so I, i'm actually excited to see what he'll do in the wildcat bry has a question about the uh what uh the receivers right well no i actually yeah. i i have a follow-up on tebow oh okay my bad no no the, the, i i didn't until you just brought this up um, <laughs> that was having, conversation. No, it's good. It's, it's well, you know, have, having Brian on and, and Brian having the benefit of seeing these guys so far. We, you know, we haven't seen Tebow that much. We haven't seen him live. Just from seeing what you saw out of him over the last couple of weeks, do you get the sense oh. that he's athletic enough to 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 really, you know, play a role on this team? Obviously, he's, he's the backup quarterback, but he came to be much more than just the backup quarterback. And from what you were able to see, do you, do you see how he, he could really contribute to this team, you know, the 15 to 20 plays a game? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I do. I do. And I think uh, right, I think it, it's, it's, it answers both of those kind of thoughts where, you know, what is Tebow's role and, right, what do we know about the Wildcat or single wing or whatever they run? And, and right, I think, I think that, I mean, what, what I would say is, um, Tim Tebow is like the greatest. He might not be the greatest running back, but he's the greatest throwing running back, you know, in in the league right now. <laughs> That's right. You know, so right. so 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 I mean, because I mean, you look at his stats over the last couple of years or whatever. I mean, he's averaging five yards on the ground, and the way he does it is because I mean, he's a big dude, and he, I mean, he is massive. I mean, he saw the you know the shirtless thing that everybody did, but like I mean, he's a massive, massive dude. And so for, for like a safety or a cornerback to try and just, you know, tackle him if he gets to the, if he gets past the edge, like it's really hard for them. And so, so it's easy for him to make yards on the ground. Um, But, you know, you think about kind of what he would do versus what like a Ronnie Brown would do kind of when they were running the wildcat back in the day, like Ronnie Brown is a great running back, but he's not, or was a great running back, but, but he's not a good thrower compared to Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow is a terrible thrower for a quarterback, but he's a fantastic thrower for a running back. Right. So, so yeah. So, so I think I that's like the that. thing that people, I think that's the thing that people forget is that like, you know what? Yes. He's not the greatest quarterback. Like he had, he really struggles with those kind of touch 
you know, 10 to 15 yard passes. Like, I mean, and maybe it was the rust kind of, you know, getting, you know, getting himself kind of into camp or whatever. But I mean, he threw some passes the first couple of days where, I mean, he almost got guys killed, like literally killed. Like if they were just bad. And, and well, even in the ball, first right. preseason game, yeah, yeah, it's hospital balls, exactly. Right. You know, and, and even in that first preseason game, I mean, some of those passes were behind guys and that sort of stuff. So, so I mean, yeah, he, but, you know, can you ask him to run the ball or, you know, kind of let someone go deep and, and he can up it? I mean, he actually has more touch on those passes than he does on the short stuff. So, yeah. so like, it's this interesting thing where I definitely think he can play a role. I mean, people have been kind of talking, will he be in the, the, punt, the punt game? I mean, he was taking snaps in kind of the punt unit as the protector. And he even took a couple, you know, I'm not supposed to say this, but, but you know, <laughs> but basically yeah. he took a couple, you know, they, they were practicing trick plays and, and right. he took Don't a worry. run. It's not the, run. It's not the yeah. fan. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> he, he took a couple runs. He took a couple runs out of the, out of the punt formation. And yeah. I don't think I saw any, any throws, but, um, but you know, he but was you doing could. I mean, that. could. Why, why would you not run him yeah. out there as the personal punt protector every time? And, you bring me to you bring me to something uh, that Brian and I have been saying uh, since they made the trade, and then they made the announcement that he was going to be uh, the personal pump protector and on special teams, and they may use him on kickoff and stuff. To me, and to and to Cal, that says everything you need to know about what they think of him as a quarterback, and what and and if they really thought, and 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 this goes along with my premise that I think Rex Ryan and and Tony Sperano were approached by Mike Tannenbaum, who was under a directive from Woody Johnson to go get Tim Tebow. <laughs> and I, I, I mean, I really feel that's the way it went down. I feel like Tannenbaum went to them and said, look, Woody said, go get him. Can you guys use him? And Rex, Rex being Rex, you know, said, yeah, of course. And Sperano being Sperano said, yeah, of course I can use him. I, I could have a party with him. You know, I can finally have right. a wildcat running back that can throw. And so right. they went and the That's exactly it. And I think that's the thing about it that's so intriguing. Like, you know, I don't want to, like, you know, on the blog every day, I try not to talk about, I mean, you have to talk about Tim Tebow, but I, I almost try and limit it as much as I can. But that's one of the most interesting things about him is exactly what you just said is, is that, you know, I think where the wildcat ended up dying for the Dolphins or any teams around the league was in that you ended up basically having running backs who never threw the ball. And that was the case with Brad Smith. I mean, I love Brad Smith. Like, don't get me wrong. I love Brad Smith. But, like, I mean, if you ever watch any of the college tape or just, I mean, they they basically were afraid to let him throw the ball because he just didn't have, like, that, you know, kind of precision – strike throw is that you you kind of float the ball and it, you know it just wasn't very good. So Tebow's a better thrower than Brad Smith was. Now Brad Smith is probably much better in space and much faster, you know, than Tim Tebow is, but the difference is sooner or later you get to a point where teams are just like, you know what, if they're never going to throw out of this formation, there's an easy way to defend it. But right, if if you have a guy who can actually throw a long ball and you have a guy like Stephen Hill who can go get that long ball, you know, that changes the dynamic completely. Yeah. And, and you know, my, my, my last thing on that was simply if they really genuinely brought Tim Tebow in here to challenge Mark Sanchez for the starting quarterback position, 
um, and thought he was a viable option to go to over Mark Sanchez, there's no way he's playing special teams. There's no way. There's, there's, they're not going to risk some. There's not going. They're not going to risk some guy teeing off on it. You know, Charlie Castley said it last week, Brian Bassett and Cal. <laughs> we were off last week. Charlie Castley said last week. You know, to me, the backup quarterback for that team is Greg McElroy. Yeah. That, it, that if if Mark Sanchez was out for a long period of time, hopefully not. But if he was, they would probably go to McElroy and leave Tebow in the role that he's going to play, and leave him in that utility wildcat run option uh, uh, playmaker position that they're putting him in. <laughs> Charlie Castley said partially because he doesn't think Tim Tebow has a mastery of Sperano's regular offense, but also because. That's where they want to use him. They don't view him as a viable every down quarterback. And and again, you know, the, the proof is in the pudding. You're not going to run out there on special teams. You know, I, right. I, that's yeah. that's me. It's I uh, know I agree, and I think I think Mike Tannenbaum is a big proponent um, of you know utilizing every roster spot as many times as you can. And you know, one of the worst roster spots in terms of actual utilization is the backup quarterback spot. So yeah. so this. So, so this basically gives you another running back, you know, whatever, H-back, punt protector, whatever you want to call him. But, right, I think, yeah, as you, you know, as you said, the proof is in the pudding. Unless, and we, we hope as a, Jet, as a Jets fan, I certainly don't want to get into that scenario, but, but there's only one way to know what they would actually do, and it's if Mark Sanchez is injured. But at the same time, right, I, like, I, and I think it would be, it would be crazy if they basically, uh, but then, like, uh, I, I see Cashley's point, and I think he's got a very valid point. Um, but, like, I just – could you imagine if they didn't make Tebow the starter? Like, what would happen? <laughs> like, it would be crazy. So, right. But, 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 right, but I guess, I, yeah, I agree. Like, it's not an issue if, if Mark Sanchez stays healthy. But, right, the backup quarterback spot is basically a worthless spot. So put someone there who, who can actually, you know, get you 40 yards a game or whatever. And, and, you know, and, and that'll be good. All right, so, so we got the quarterbacks covered, but who are they going to throw the ball to? Because this, there seems to be a little <laughs> bit of an issue with depth at the wide receiver spot. Are, are, are yeah. they going to go out and, and get another body just for depth? Mm-hmm. Are they waiting for, for some of the first cuts of the, of the training camp around the league? Or are they, are they confident in, in, in the kids that they brought in this year? Jordan White and Stephen Hill, that, that they're going to be the guys to, to play the position this year? I mean, I think that, right, I mean, a lot of those guys are just not healthy right now. And, um, you know, Rex called it today, like the MASH unit or whatever. And, right. and so, yeah. And White, it, got, it, White got it, hurt today too, right? Yep, yep. He got, I think, something with his knee. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was like had big bags of ice on it and stuff. And, right. and so – it's it's not good, um, but I certainly think that I mean, um, if there's any solace, and I mean I don't know, we haven't really seen Sperano's offense and how he's going to use it, but I'm just thinking back to kind of what we saw in Miami. Like he didn't use a ton of like slot receiver, like third fourth receiver stuff. He did a lot of two receiver, double packs, you know, or like a or like you know. Um, two tight ends or, or, you know, extra blocking back. Like in some cases, he would even put out like a running back and two blocking backs 
um, kind of like a reverse wishbone kind of thing. And so, like, he – so my, my point is, like, he tends to keep more guys closer in. So, like, I think if you if you have two or three guys, like, that you're confident in, that's probably going to be good. And then anything else is gravy and they'll kind of, you know, mix it in. But um, like, it's, it's interesting because, I mean, I think there's – Stephen Hill, you, you watch the reports, he had, you know, kind of people said he's had an up and down camp. Um, but, like, what I saw, I was super impressed with um, okay. him. I mean, he, he's a big dude. He's fast as anything. I mean, he's catching touchdowns over Darrell Revis in practice, um, you know, routinely, like, you know, not every day, but, but you know, certainly it's, it's happened a number <laughs> of times in camp, um, which right. is impressive. And, uh you know, and and he's he's certainly uh, you know like he's kind of got the right mentality. I mean, I saw him a couple times. He was running routes. He ran the wrong route. He turns around. He says, "Hey, I ran a you know whatever they call it a fourteen. What was that? You know, it was a sixteen. Oh, it was a fifteen. Okay, well, how does that work?" And you know, he and the wide receiver coach are talking about it. So like, he definitely is out there trying to get better, trying to understand the offense. Now, is he going to be an eighty reception guy this year? No, but you know, if he has 40 receptions or 50 receptions that he's kind of like a Tory Smith was for Baltimore last year. I think that's all they need from him. If you you get 50 receptions out of him, you're ecstatic. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, Santonio Holmes is going to want the ball more (laughs) because that's who he is. And, you know, I mean, I think he'll he'll get the chance to to get those passes and with with Hill across, you know, the formation from him. He's not Braylon Edwards, but you're going to have to respect Stephen Hill a lot more than you that teams respected Plaxico Burris last year. Yeah. So that'll help get Antonio open, and then right behind those guys, I mean, who knows what's up with Curly? Uh, you know, um, yeah, I was going to say, Brian. I, yeah. I got to be honest with you. I'm not. I'm not a Curly fan. I don't know why I'm not sold on him. Uh, I haven't been since last year, and and I, I'd like to believe the guy can turn into uh, – see, this is the problem I think they have right now with the wide receiver position. I was all – I Cal will tell you, I, I was a Braylon Edwards. I, I love Braylon Edwards. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I wanted him too. I loved yeah, him more but, than Holmes. Yeah, as did I. I wanted. I said it on this show. I wanted them to sign him instead of Holmes. I, uh, I, I have always been a big fan of his since the Michigan days. When they made that trade for him, I was ecstatic. I, I was a big Braylon guy. I can see why – you know, and then you see him on Hard Knocks, and he said, "Who's the guy in your back pocket, Rex Ryan?" Like he, yeah, yeah. he says, "Like who's your? You're like who should I call that would tell me to sign you?" <laughs> and he's like Rex Ryan, the, and the Dolphins GM. Yeah, I'm not going to call. No. I'm not going to call Rex Ryan. <laughs> um, but I, but I can see almost where somebody made a great point. I can't remember. It was one of the tweeters. It might have even been Green Lantern Jet, but uh, made a great point that Hill and Edwards very similar skill set. Uh, in terms of size, blocking, uh, you don't want to bring Braylon Edwards in here and maybe take away reps, take away uh, valuable exactly. time. And Hill Hill should serve the same purpose for Holmes, which was two years ago when Sanchez was super effective uh, uh, on deep balls because you had Braylon Edwards drawing double coverage uh, either down the middle of the field or on the sideline. That, opera- that allows Holmes to operate underneath. You'd love to see all that again, and Holmes gets his his seventy or eighty catches, um, you know, and and sixty of them are on slants. That's all well and good, but and Brian, Cal knows where I'm going right now. I know exactly where you're going. 
Yeah. We we have this feeling about uh, Mr. Tannenbaum, and of course, uh, and, and of course Rex as well, Rex Ryan and his coaching staff as well. They they seem to have done this a bit, and that is uh, rather than acquiring depth for a position, they sort of have an it's a seeming again we're not there, but it seems to the outsider, <laughs> uh, a junkie fan that they have an arrogance about the guys that they have there and their and their coaching staff and it's like we can coach them up we don't need to have we don't need to go out and get depth in a position we have guys that we like and we have the best coaching mm-hmm. staff in football and we can coach right. them up and that to me last year offensive that offensive line last year yeah, offensive line when robert turner goes i i freaked out when robert turner got injured this yep. year i freaked out cuz i was like there's no backup center what happened what happened <laughs> and then we found out what happened and that's right they had no answer for it yeah absolutely and, and cal and i firmly believe that ruined the season that mm-hmm. ruined the agreed season. nick mangold getting hurt and them having a short training camp no time in in uh, cortland um, and having no cohesiveness, and the, the offensive line was a disaster after that, a disaster for the rest of the season. They never recovered. So he got some depth for the offensive line this year. I, I'm not upset with the guys that they brought in, um, and, and they went out and tried to, to make the right tackle spot a competition, um, but they seem to be doing that again at wide receiver and running back. Mm-hmm. And running back. I read a great oh, – I can't remember where I read it. Uh, but I sent it to you, Cal. The uh, the idea that if your team is built on the running game, right, then you know the good teams what they're built on, they go get a crap load of that. Right, the depth is in the strength of your team. Right, that's mm-hmm. right. If you, you know, like the Patriots with the tight end, the offense is built around the tight end. They went and got nine tight ends. Yeah, you know the the, the Packers, the, right. the the team is built on the passing game. They have thirty seven wide receivers in camp. You know, right. the Jets are supposed to be this ground-and-pound running attack, and I don't see the depth there at, you know, now they've been ravaged mm. by injuries at the wide receiver spot, but I don't see the depth there at running back either. I mean, are we to mm. believe in Belial? 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 Belial. Belial. Thank you. Yeah. Um, no, it's great. It's a great It's a great point, and, I mean, I think I, I yeah, I, I certainly can't say with, with this, you know, definitiveness, yes, this group is amazing. But, um, I mean, I think you, you think about the group they had, let's see, uh, let's go back to 2009, right? So they had Thomas Jones and mm-hmm. they had and they had Sean Green, and that was really it. And they, they never threw the ball to the running backs, never, never, never that year. They just let them run, run, run. And it was basically they ground Thomas Jones down to the point where they're like, all right, he's basically dead, so now we need to, like, put Sean Green in the game. <laughs> And then right, and then Sean Green gets injured, and you know basically they lost the the game against the Colts because, uh, in right. my opinion, they lost that game because they didn't have Sean Green. Um, I, I, so, I could agree with that. Yeah, and so and so you know, you kind of go forward, you know, the next couple of years, and they start picking up guys. They pick up uh, Joe McKnight, who you know everybody as a rookie like killed because he was out of shape and all that sort of thing. But I mean, what I would say is like kind of doing the numbers and previewing this season, like, I think Joe McKnight is ready for some big things. I really do. Like, as a third down back, I mean, maybe a little bit more than a third down back if they need to give Sean Green um, a spell. But, like, 
he the numbers he put up, I, I can't even remember, but he, he only had a, a very small number of receptions last year. But in mm. terms of his product productivity, he was like almost as productive as guys who got a lot more receptions, like uh, the guy, the Ryan Matthews, right, uh, yeah. in San Diego. Like, he had, yeah. like, similar, like, like you know, kind of, like, what do they call this, you know, advanced statistic stuff. He had similar numbers <laughs> to, like, Ryan to like Ryan Matthews, which is pretty impressive when you think about the kind of player he is. So, so like, what I would say is, like, I feel pretty comfortable with their third down back, um, you know, or kind of pass-catching back. And Sean Green has gotten a lot better in that regard, too. So that, so that opens up things for what he can do. And, you know, we know what he can kind of do between the tackles. Um, and then Bilal Powell, you know, last year people killed him. And, I mean, I was at camp and I was at the sidelines and I was talking to people, other reporters, and they were, you know, giving me the eye rolls for Bilal Powell. You know, that, guy, <laughs> that guy is slow. That guy is terrible. You know, he runs backwards. You know, he's so slow. And, um, and so it's like, and I'm like, he was good. Like, I, did you see him at Louisville? Did you see him, like, kind of senior bowl? Did you see all that stuff? You know, I'm friends with a lot of guys who do the, uh, you know, like the draft circuit, and they go to the Super yeah. Bowl, they go to all that kind of stuff, and 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 you know, some good friends of mine who were like, "How's legit? Like he's a legit player. He's going to need some time, but but he's legit." And so I think we've seen this preseason so far, like, hey, he's actually looked pretty good. But again, you know, it's just practice, as you know. Um, but I, I mean, I like Bilal Powell a lot, and then. This, this guy they got this year, Terrence Ganaway, um, Connor seems to be kind of inconsistent. Like, he, he's definitely good, but he's a blocker, you know. And, but it sounds like he's kind of having an inconsistent camp, so that's not great. Uh, but the other guy they got, Ganaway, who played with uh, Robert Griffin III, um, I mean, he's much more, though, like, you guys remember Jameel McLean, like, from mm-hmm. the Ravens? He's yeah. like that big fullback type who, who can run the ball. But I, I don't know that they'll actually use them to run the ball unless they're just so ravaged by depth um, that they would do that. But, you know, he's kind of a, you know, if you need, if you need two yards, he'll get you three yards. If you need six yards, he'll get you three yards. Right. Kind of a running back. So, so you so, feel, you I mean, you feel like there's enough there. Yeah. You feel like as far as like, running back yeah. goes, there's enough I, there. I, well, I so Sean Green takes out. a beating. I mean, Sean yeah. Green takes yeah. a beating. He does. He, does. he takes yeah. a beating. And, I, I don't think anybody believes in him. Necessarily, I, yeah. It's like he's he's done enough to like you know keep us kind of like you know tease, but but right. It's never been you you see kind of a full you know fourteen hundred yard season from him or something like that. It's just like he starts slow or he ends slow or something or he gets injured or it's always something with him. But I mean, when he's on, he's on. Um, but I, yeah, I would say I think it swings on Bilal Powell. Is, is what I would say. And I think the other thing to think about is, you know, hopefully Green won't get so grounded down because they do have Tebow, you know, coming, coming back full circle on Tebow. Like, you know, he will carry the ball, you know, maybe five times a game and, you know, pick up 25 yards or something. So, yeah. so like, who knows? I mean, yeah, it, they, they will. I mean, he's not going to, Tebow's not going to carry the ball 20 times, but, you know, if he carries it three to five times a game, that's, you know, three less. Yeah. And Over and, the and of I, the season, I that whatever 90. Right. I I whatever. think they consider him part of the running game. I do. Right. Absolutely. I think I think I they consider Tebow in that equation. Yeah. I just I I just want to go back not to not to be the dead horse, but it's just so baffling. <laughs> on the Braylon Edwards thing. And 
uh, Steve and I talk about it all the time, and, and we have our theories as to why they didn't even bring him in for a look. It just it just seemed like a perfect fit after last year with Plaxico, and then they didn't bring Plaxico back this year, and Braylon Edwards was looking for a job. The Jets needed some depth at, quarter, at receiver. They needed to make things a little more comfortable for Sanchez. The fit just seemed perfect. But Brian, do you, do you have any idea why they didn't even give him a look? I mean, I think they, I think, um, you know, from everything I saw and kind of heard and talked to folks about, um, you know, they were interested in him, but I think what they wanted to see was they wanted to see how the draft played out, um, you know, and, and Edwards himself, you know, he kind of said, I can't remember what it was, it was like February or March, he did an interview with, um, I think someone from the New York Times, it's like a long, it was great, but it was like a long form video uh, interview. And one of the things he said during that, that interview was like, "I need to get my body right before I sign anywhere." And right. and like that to me, that to me sets off an alarm. That's either one of two things that's happening: either he really truly believes that, or no one believes that he's healthy, and so he's kind of playing the PR, you know, whatever. This is his PR spin for for why he's not currently signed, you know, after being cut. Um, and so, I mean, either way you slice it, like the, the, the point is no one was really beating down his door to get him. Um, and, and I, again, I, I like him. I like him in the Jets offense. I think he'd be great in this, in this current offense too. Um, but I think the Jets really wanted to see how the draft played out and they had obviously prioritized a uh, wide receiver, um, as we saw that they did with, with Stephen Hill. And then once they got Stephen Hill, they were like, you know what, there's no need. Um, and, and, you know, with him and kind of this, you know, Chad Schilling, you know, whatever. But, like, they, they just felt like we'll have someone, we'll have enough, um, and we won't, uh, as you kind of said earlier, we won't impede the progress of our rookie receiver um, with someone like Braylon. Kind of right. I feel like yeah. I feel like there's a and, – and I was extraordinarily disappointed they didn't sign him. I feel like there's a, a but – I, I, I guess I can understand it. There's a number of things at work here for me with this team um, that, uh, you know, having been a lifelong fan and, and really consuming a great deal of uh, training camp. And, and of course, Brian and I, uh, Cal and I are both Mets fans. So uh, mm. football, football season starts pretty early. So, you know, <laughs> you, you really you consume everything and you're and you're waiting for it and you're excited about it. And I know, uh, I guess, uh, uh, Bassett, do you have a young uh, person, new, brand new person? What, what you got a, a son, daughter, something new? Oh, yeah, I have two. Yeah, I have two. I have a son who's two and a half and a daughter who's uh, almost nine months. Beautiful. Congratulations. Oh, yeah, and, and Thank you. you 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 start to get them in the Jets jerseys and you know I, mm-hmm. I just taught my my 20 month old to say Jets 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 and he's all pumped up. And, <laughs> you know you follow yeah. it, you know you I I I inhale this stuff and it it it's a <laughs> and Cal does too. It's a difficult time to be a Jet fan. Uh, this has been probably one of the more difficult off seasons. Uh, yeah. Far far more difficult than. Uh, the off season after they lost the championship game to the Steelers, which Cal rightly predicted at the time they were not going back the next year. Um, but th- this has been one of the most difficult off seasons I've ever experienced as a fan. Uh, one of those reasons is I, I was very, very, uh, and, and if you go back to the archives of the show, it's no secret. Uh, I was very anti-Tebow uh, because I don't like mm-hmm. what, 
religion and sports mix. Um, but then all of a sudden, he's on my team after the meltdown and the homes and the locker room. Yeah. Sanchez and the, I have uh, the kid has a Sanchez onesie. I mean, I'm in, I'm I'm pot invested here. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you got Tim Tebow, and I thought the GQ article that came out this week, which he's apparently really upset about because he didn't agree to do it. They use pictures from a previous article where he's in the Jesus pose and stuff. Um, but I thought the, I don't know if you read the article. I know Cal did because I sent it to him and made him read it. I read. Uh, yeah, no, but Cal. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, 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 I glanced at it. I, I honestly didn't, didn't read it end to end. So, but, but I, I, I know the high Cal, point. You, yeah, I was gonna say, Cal, did you feel it was a great read? Because I thought it was a great read. Because it was interesting. Um, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't have the, uh, I didn't have the strong feelings that you had against Tebow last year. So just get. I was, I was kind of when, when they got him. My thought was, this is going to be annoying from a media perspective, but I was from a football perspective, I've, I've been completely intrigued by what they could do with him. So, but the, the article was, was very interesting, you know? Yeah. I mean, it came at it from the point of view, uh, Bassett, about the idea that what do you do when this guy is on your team all of a sudden? And you have to sort of reconcile... Right. And 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 the author, I, I will you know gladly concede to the idea that he had a lot of the same feelings that I did. The the uh, religious political mixed in with the football and not liking that and and um, and and again you know not really necessarily having anything against Tim Tebow, but having a lot against what Tim Tebow brings to your team, uh, or the the uh, quote unquote idea of Tim Tebow brings to your team. And how he was sort of reconciling that. And then, of course, he meets him, you know, in the first, like, interview. And he's like, and I'll be Tebowing if we win the Super Bowl. You know, like, the, the guy, you know, Tebow wins the right, yeah. with his character. Yeah. But Yeah, he's like, it's almost Tebow time yeah, or something right, like that, right? Yeah. All of a sudden, it's like, if, and if we win the Super Bowl, I will have a 15 jersey and I will be Tebowing. But... I sort of likened it, and I'd love to get your your take on this. And Cal, yours too, because we haven't had a chance to talk about it. It's seeming more and more to me like a uh, a, a hundred time magnification of the Michael Vick situation with the Eagles, and the dilemma that Eagle fans. Which is amazing. I mean, when you think about it, that's insane to think about that this is a magnified Michael Vick situation. Right. No. That's no. Crazy. No. It's it's just it's not from a not from a uh, character standpoint. Obviously, there's there's no questioning. No, 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 no. Just just the whole circus. No, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. Like what you know, Eagle fans were faced with the dilemma of like you know this guy can probably help us. I mean, he's Michael Vick, but the circus that he brings to town. And Tebow's circus, uh, and I'm going to stop using that word because I hate it. But the the all the all the 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 coverage that comes with Tim Tebow that brings to your team is like, oh, I I don't care if he scores twenty five touchdowns, I can't take this crap, you know. <laughs> but but of course I do want him to score twenty five touchdowns, and now I'm reconcile I'm I'm spe- I've spent my life reconciling with the fact that, you know, my my in laws are trying to teach my son, uh, my son how to Tebow, you know, because they're big <laughs> Tebow fans. 
Uh, nice. Bassett, what do you make of? And then, and then I, I do want to talk about uh, and and uh, Cal does too. We want to talk about blogging and stuff like that because you wrote sure. that great yeah. article about homes, and I really want to touch on that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but um, what, you know, last thing on Tebow, do you? And we're through camp, thankfully. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, is it an overcomable? That's not a word, but we'll try it. Is it a, a surmountable? There we go. Problem for this team? Do you feel that they just need to play some games and win some games, and it's going to go away? Is it surmountable? Yeah, like the whole you're just just so I understand the whole Tebow thing that goes with it. Okay, yeah. Um, like yeah, I right. I think I think well, it's kind of like the Jets, you know, season, you know, past three seasons. Like when when and this it's this way with any team, right? Like. When they're winning, like it's not going to be a problem. If if they start losing or Mark Sanchez starts starts playing poorly, it's going to be a problem. And um, you know, and I think what's going to dr- what what will drive the wedge will be the media. Like the media will drive the wedge um, if things start going badly. Like they're going to get the anonymous the anonymous quote. They're going to get the um, you know the people who who are going to tell them. Yeah, we want Kibo. Like we're sick of Mark Sanchez. They're gonna get the one, you know, the one locker room outsider, you know, to, you know right. who, who everybody hates. They're gonna get him to say something, you know, totally ridiculous, and then it's gonna cause, you know, a whole, you know, firestorm. So, so right, like it's it it is this tough thing, right? Where it's funny and and kind of my whole Kibo thing. I'll be quick on it, but. Um, like I was very dubious of Tebow, of and I myself, like I, I would say, I share pretty much ninety percent of what he believes. Like I pretty much share most of it um, personally. But like I just didn't like him. I didn't like seeing sports, just like you. I'm not a fan of it. And um, and it it was actually a guy who this guy Dan Shanoff used to work for ESPN, mm-hmm. and uh, and he has his own thing now, uh, Quickish, and and he runs a, and he was a Gator, so that's a, a big reason. But but he he's you know he grew he grew up in New York he he's Jewish um, by heritage and and he was the one who convinced me this was like two years ago he's like Tim Tebow is not a proselytizer Tim Tebow is like just a very genuine very down to earth person and he doesn't push that stuff in your face he just he believes these things very strongly and will talk about them if you ask him but not always but he just wants to live his life and that's what he that's what he's about. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that seems like something I could get on board with. If he's just genuinely trying to live his life and live his beliefs, like, that's, you know, not so obnoxious to me. Um, no. And so, right, so coming coming into this whole thing, I, w- I kind of was like, this is going to be crazy. But at the same time, knowing that, like, he's not going to come here to divide the locker room. He's just going to come here and do what he's told. Like, that just tends to be kind of the, the person he seems to be. Right. And, uh and but right, I, I think the biggest issue is right, if if it starts going downhill, it's gonna go downhill fast. Um yeah. and I just I like I think on paper, like we talked about, you know, what you can do in the offense and the wildcat and all that sort of thing, like I believe all those things like you can really help the team in that role. But, you know, the whole kind of human nature of like the way people work in a losing situation and what beat reporters will try and like get, like I just don't see it. 
ending well. Like I just, if 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 they start losing, it's not going to end well while Vince Vaughn's on the team. I just can't see that. Uh, yeah, but I, I agree with you. It's been a long off season. It has been an absolutely very long off season, and it, and part of it is because right, it ended so poorly, and then they get this guy, and then there's so much hype around it, and then it's like as a Jets fan, you're almost embarrassed by the amount of coverage that that's being you know kind of put nationally on TV. Oh, absolutely, you know, absolutely. It's like this is this is ridiculous, you know. And so, so yeah, it's it's been a long off season. So I think we're all ready for some some real games. <laughs> I think that uh, I I I I respect that. I I do respect that. You know, since the kid has gotten here, you can clearly see that he is genuine, uh, and that he is a good guy. And I and I I do believe. Uh, I think a lot of what comes. Uh, I I think he's even been surprised by it. You know, like and he lives Tebowmania, and I think he's even surprised by the idea that uh, it's just such a big deal. But. We'll see. All right. I want to I want to move on uh, and ask you about uh, the the article you wrote about uh, Santonio Holmes after he did the interview with uh, Dave Damashek, and uh, Holmes sort of took on the New York media back in I guess that was June. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, July actually. About just July, a couple right. weeks before camp. Yeah. Right. And and you you wrote this really great entry on on the JetsBlog dot com and 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 uh, Cal and I at at the time uh, saw it and and were. Uh, impressed with what you were talking about and and not just either being a fanboy and sort of uh being sycophanty at the feet of the players uh but also asking the questions like what is what are what are the beat reporters supposed to do are they doing their job are is there a a narrative of dysfunction that surrounds the jets and one of the things that we uh Cal and I talk about a lot on this show is how the teams we love are covered and that's a big part of it mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, what compelled you to sort of – that's a risky thing for a blogger to do, uh, especially uh, without a ton of access. And you do yeah. beat guys and stuff like that. What was, it, what was like the straw that broke the camel's back that you felt the need to, uh, to address it? You know, and, and it's funny because, like, I think – yeah, I th- I think that uh, well one of the big things is like I, you know I wrote that that like super long article and then I realized like God there's so many things that I didn't even cover in this or different angles that I that I didn't cover um, and so right there was another great writer who who had a great opinion and, and his name is uh, Angel Nevado so you, you guys can look him up like look up the thing he put on Antonio Holmes on there too because it was a totally different perspective and. And, and his perspective, I just I want to get this out. Like it was more of the like he said the wrong thing, but I think we understand where he's coming from. And so right, like I think when when I wrote what I did, um, it took me a long time. It took me uh, I think writing that article took me like six hours or something just to to kind of get it right, and not try and figure out like what was I doing and and what was I saying and oh my god, like am I really gonna write this stuff? And and I I think I think what the biggest thing that bothers me with, with Antonio Holmes is like I think he just doesn't understand like the actions that he takes and kind of what like what repercussions they have. Like he he's done these things and he, I just don't think he has a strong sense of um, like that he's going to get the backlash that he's going to get um, and and that and that it does matter to 
people. Maybe it doesn't matter to him or, or whatever, but, um, but, you know, and then also just not understanding, like, how people on the beat, like, like work and operate. And, and, you know, I think that this guy, Angel, who, who I wrote about, like, um, oh, can you guys hear me all right? Okay. Yes, we can oh, hear you. Something, okay, sorry. I, something started going weird on my computer. Um, no, but, we're good, Brian. Uh, okay, good. So, basically, I, yeah, it's, it's tough because I think, like, it, it's almost as if, like, the beat reporters just play this game of gotcha with, with players, and it's like, yes, did he say some stupid thing? Yes. And, and the beat reporters will just hold that up. It's like, but he said this. But these were his words. But this is what he said. And it's right. like, yeah, but, like, did you even take the time to, like, try and understand what his point was or what he was doing? It's like, well, it doesn't matter because he said he wants us to be cheerleaders. He never said he wants you to be cheerleaders, but he certainly has, like, a warped, a, a supremely warped sense of what the media does. Um, I mean, I think that's that's certainly fair. Um, but, you know, I, like, I, I do think that, you know, I mean, the stuff he was asking them to do was, like he said, like, if you want to be part of the team and you want to feel so important and, you know, you just want to write negative things, like, in some ways, they do do that. Like, they, like I mean, the thing we saw with Antonio Cromartie, right, like two weeks ago, whatever that was, right. where, you know, he says, he says, you know, I'm the second best receiver on the team. And then, like, they immediately take that and they run to every other receiver probably. And then they, they basically catch, you know, Chad Schillings in a bear trap and they're like, awesome. <laughs> now, we, now, now we've got a controversy brewing here. And so, like, you just – you, you have this game of like they, they just take comments that other people make and they want to get them in front of the players and they want that. They basically want the reaction because they want them to say something stupid. Um, and, you know, and it's like, it's hard to deal with that on a daily basis. I just, I can't imagine how these players do it. Um, and the fact that it's New York and it's so competitive, like, I mean, there's more reporters in that locker room. If you were to go to Cincinnati or go to Jacksonville or something like that, I mean, Really, realistically, how many, you know, newspapers are, are covering that game? Nowhere near as many, or media outlets are covering that game. Nowhere near as many. And then also, like, I mean, let's be honest, like the, the level of journalism at Jacksonville or whatever, or, I mean, I don't know, uh, you know, in Arizona, I mean, there's some great journalists there, don't get me wrong, but it's not different. all of them went to Syracuse. You know, it's totally different. It's totally yeah. different. And they're they're pitching softballs and you know that sort of thing you know in, in in Pittsburgh to the players and in New York they're just, you know they're basically trying to trying to catch them in every trap they can. Well, you know what it is that their their job is to sell papers, and mm-hmm. everybody knows that the, the newspaper industry is has been struggling for the last couple of years with 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 social media and and everything being online now, and they're everybody's kind of looking for their angle now, and it just seems like. And Steve and I talk about it all the time. It just seems like the narrative with the Jets is inherently negative. It's a negative mm-hmm. narrative, and they they kind of work backwards. It's like, okay, so the narrative is negative. Now we kind of kind of back into that. How are we going to fit what's going on in camp, even if it's not negative? How are we going to put a spin on it to make it negative? And that's that's where you see the leading questions to some of these guys to try to, you know, you hate, you hate to say it's mo- as malicious as setting them up. I don't want to go that far mm-hmm. by saying that, but it, it just feels like that that's, that's kind of the path that they're trying to take them down 
and they've got the end, you know, rather than try to develop the story, they've got the story planned. Now they have to kind of figure out their way how they're going to get there. <laughs> and I could, I could imagine that that's, mm-hmm. like, like you said, that's got to be, it's, it's frustrating as a fan. It's got to be incredibly frustrating as a player on the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and, and that was one of the things I think I talked about in the article. I lived in Boston for, for a number of years, and as, as brutal as it is for a New York sports fan to live in Boston for like seven years, Man. Um, one of the things, yeah, one of the things that I really came to respect about about you know now, like when I mean, you listen to sports radio and it's you know it's just bananas like it is in any city, but um, but that you would have beat reporters um, on the beat who were you know and and they beat reporters do this now, but I think only because I I, I mean I don't, I don't want to take full credit for it, but I I feel like the guys in Boston kind of shame some of the New York reporters to to track plays more and and do all that sort of thing. Um, like, and I definitely shed light on that. And, and, but, but I think like you, you have guys who are like doing detailed analysis who are, you know, who, who understand like the language who are talking about what a three technique tackle is or, you know, whatever, but, you know, like all this kind of stuff, like they're talking about all these amazing things, you know, that are actually like informative, interesting, like help you to understand the game better. And like, then you go back to New York and it's just about like, well, you know, what ridiculous thing did Mark Sanchez do, you know, in the last 24 hours or, right. you know, whatever. Like, you know, who, who did he bed in, you know, some, you know, packing <laughs> district, you know, place. It's like, that's what it's about. And, and that's all it seems to be about. It's like, it, it tends to drive me a little crazy. But, um, you know, the, the yeah. thing is, though, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt. The thing is, we're, we're fans. We're fans of the game. Right. We, we want mm-hmm. that information and we want everything broken down for us that way. But are the audience of these writers, are we the minority? And is that why they have to, you know, it's a more, it's a more broad mm-hmm. story if they're going with the kind of the juicy angle, like, you know, like Steve always mm-hmm. calls it the TMZ angle. What, <laughs> is it, you know, maybe we want to see that. And I, and I agree with you because I, I, would, I would much rather read stories about that. But are, are more people going to read the story if it's, you know, Tim Tebow running around with his shirt off? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, and we'll, we'll never know, like, to be honest, we'll never yeah. know because they'll never do it. Um, <laughs> unless they start putting like two, two people on the beat and one person like covers the controversy right. and the other person covers the, you know, kind of the, the, I don't know, bits and bites of, of how the team is actually going to put together. So like, but you know, like I just get the sense, you know, I mean, uh, like I said, I was only there for a couple of days on the sideline, but you talk to people, like I talked to other reporters and, you know, there were some folks there from national media and like they were basically told, like, let's say maybe there was two people that were there from like a national media outlet. One was there to cover Tebow and then the other was there to cover just kind of the general going on of camp. And, and I think I talked to two or three different kind of national outlets who, who were kind of, you know, that their editors had told them this is this is how you're going to do it, um, and like literally that's what they did. And then I watched the coverage on on some of these national you know things, and uh, and it's like you know here's Tim Tebow, here's what he did. He was you know he was you know four and four and twelve in practice, you know with with one touchdown and and you know no interceptions or whatever. Like like it, like they would literally break it down and and you know and this is on a national again level, not not, you know, local level. Like they were breaking down what was going on with that and and they 
and that was what they were told to be there to do. Don't do anything else. Just cover that. That's all you're there. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think, unfortunately, we're not going to know. Um, but uh, honestly, like, that's where opportunity for, like, guys like ourselves has, has you know, opened yep. up the door to that. You know, it's like because they're not doing it, it's their own fault. And that's exactly. why we're having yeah. success doing what we're doing. And that's, that's, that's exactly where I was going next with this, Brian, because Steve and I, we, we tend to follow the bloggers more for our day-to-day coverage of the team because it's written from our point of view. You know, you, you're, you're a blogger, but you're a fan just like us, and, and you're writing about exactly. the things that we want to know about, that we want to hear about. And I, I could personally am moving much more away from following the beat writers on a daily basis because of the agenda or what I perceive to be an agenda or, or just the tone of, of their writing and following guys like you more because you, you, you keep it straight. You know, it, it's, you, you're, you're a fan and you're passionate mm-hmm. about it. And we get that through your writing and your reporting. And, and I just, what, how do you feel like your responsibility mm-hmm. is, you know, going forward as a blogger now? Cause things are, I, I think things are clearly shifting in that direction. Yeah, I mean, well, thanks for saying that. I appreciate that. And, um, I mean, at the same time, it's difficult. It it certainly is. And I think, you know, whereas, you know, for, I mean, I've been doing this since 2004, and for the first four years about, you know, I I got no access. You know, I would certainly try, but it just, I got nowhere. And and certainly, you know, hooking up with S&Y has been a big help, and I kind of, you know, and, you know, I get to kind of backdoor in on, on stuff that other bloggers don't necessarily get to, which is unfortunate. Um, but at the same time, like, um, you know, so I am kind of in this nether world, right, where I'm, I'm like, I'm fan, but I'm also journalist. And, and I think, like, the way that I, I've always tried to treat it, and, and it's it's certainly changing as, as we go, but the way I've always tried to treat it is, listen, I am upfront about the fact that I'm a Jets fan, Um so, like, in, in, at the end of the day, I want them to win. I want things to go successfully for them. Like, do I think every year they're going to have a 12-4 and four season? No, I don't think that. But at the same time, like, there's definitely things that I notice, and I'm trying to cover what I think I it's interesting to me or what I'm hoping is interesting to other fellow fans. And, and so, right, like, you know, that's not always getting Tim Tebow 12 posts a day on the blog. It's, um, you know, it, it's following some of the other players. It's knowing about this. It's, it's knowing about the, you know, the Australian former rugby player and, and his life and, you know, that, those kind of things. Like, those, those are important, and, and fans love those stories. I mean, who doesn't love the story about a guy who, you know, who is kind of following his dream, you know, at the cost of whatever else, you know, could be going on in his life, and, you know, he stands an outside chance to make the team, like, that's just awesome. Like we love that stuff as fans, but you know, why would you report on that when Tim Tebow is sure of it? So, so like yeah. in terms of like the, the responsibility, <laughs> like I, yeah, that's the thing. Is like I guess I really feel like I have to keep up with the news. I have to read all the news and get as best I can. And then you know, with the limited time that I have, it's more limited now with, with kiddos. Like the hmm. I have. My, my job is to basically take the news and say, and this is how this is put into context. Because the thing that the most of the uh, beat reporters can't do is they can't opine. You know, they can't say, you know, and this, and remember how this happened, and this happened, and this happened, and this happened in the past. 
and let's tie it all together. So, like, that's kind of where I said, okay, like, I'm an opinion journalist. Like, okay, I write on a blog. I'm a blogger. Fine. But, like, I, I try and think of myself as, yeah, I'm a journalist, but at the end of the day, uh, I'm an opinion journalist. Like, I'm trying to, you know, to keep up with the goings-on of the team. Am I there every day seeing things? No, but I'm certainly talking to people, or I, I do get the chance to, you know, to go sometimes. I'm watching the game. I mean, I've got a better view of the game than the guys in the press box do, you know, uh, you know, like, I mean, you know, for my, for my couch, um, if right, I'm not there, um, and that's yeah, just the that's thing the too. Thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I was just gonna say sorry to interrupt, Brian, but that's mm-hmm. you. You just you just hit on something that that is so uh, important right now for uh, uh, blogging and and social media or new ways of covering teams and new ways to get your information. Uh, look, we we all we breathe these teams. We love these teams. Sports are our escape. They're a huge part of our lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you just hit the nail on the head. You get to editorialize. You're allowed to. You're allowed to put up that. We expect you to. You know, we expect right. you uh, uh, to put up the news of what's going on with the team and then give your take on it. You know what I mean? I don't expect that out of the beat guy. I don't. You know, that's why I was I was uh, sort of I got into it with uh, Andy Martino, uh, who covers the Mets for the Daily News, and I got into it with him on Twitter because. Uh, you know, apparently a lot of the beat guys seem to think that their Twitter personality is is an editorial uh, situation, mm-hmm. you know, or a columnist, mm-hmm. and uh, they get to be a beat guy in the paper. You know what I mean? And I said to him, I said, you're you're tweeting things you would never say to a player's face after a game, ever. You would never say it. You would you would never make fun right. of Ronnie Cedeno for being a, a, a major leaguer. You know, you would never question him being a major leaguer in a right. joking fashion to his face after the game in a locker room after he made an error. You would never do it. And so I said to him, I said, you should have two Twitter accounts. You should have one as the beat guy, and then you should have one as the snarky wise ass. You know, this way we know which, you know, I know which one to unfollow. You know, but when it comes to when it comes to you guys um, with the blogging, and, and, and I really think Matt is a – is you know Matt Cerrone is is obviously yeah. sort of like a a, a watermark. It, yeah, well, and, for sure. And and of course the Mets have embraced it. The Mets give a lot of access, and and that's something Sandy Alderson has done a lot. You know, doing Twitter question and answers with bloggers and doing actual question and answers in person and having bloggers. You know, Ted got to go to you know Patrick got to go, mm-hmm. uh, Flood got to go to spring training this year. You know, mm-hmm. it's great. It's it's smart to do. Um, I have two questions after my little yeah. tirade there. Uh, one is, uh, do you see the NFL? And uh, the NFL is like really seems from the outside. And I'm, and and Brian and I, uh, Cal and I are older guys. Brian, I mean we're, you know we're both in our early, we're, we're we're in our early to late thirties. Uh, <laughs> sort of like Hedwig. That, that, you know? that I'm an old, yeah. I'm an older guy too. Then, so yeah. there you go. So you know we're not kids who have you know been watching this for for five years. You know we, we've been we've seen the evolution of how these teams are covered. Um, but my my first question is: Do the NFL seems really secretive? Have have they embraced the blogger? Are they giving you more access? Because that's what it's all about, right? You want access to players and you want access to stories. Uh, I think I think I I would say yes and no. And I think it depends on who you talk to. Um, like, I know for a fact that the Jets really don't want 
you know, they call them like web guys or, you know, whatever, like, and they, they kind of have a catch all, but uh, they, they really don't want guys who just write on the web in the, in the press box, in the locker room. And so, you know, that kind of includes myself. So, so like, I, I'm, I'm welcome there. I can go there. Um, I know that I'm not a beat writer. I don't claim to be a beat writer. You know, I don't want to be a beat writer. <laughs> like, right. um, but, 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 right. I, you know, I can get past the, you know, I can get past security if, if I want to. Um, but most everybody else cannot, um, who, who would be in a similar situation, a blogger for a web site, you know, generally can't get that access. Now, if you, right, if you're, you know, Green Lantern Jet, you're part of CBS, you know, right. New York, then probably you can get access if you want it. There's, there's ways to do it. I'm sure it could. But, um, but for the most part, they're keeping them out, at least, at least in Florham Park. Um, what I would say is that from the league office, they are doing more of that. And I hope that the team picks that up. Um, but it's harder for them, right? Like, you know, like, I mean, I'm good friends with some of the PR folks at the league office. And so if, you know, if something's happening, there's actually this thing next week um, that's happening in New York. It's like, like a fantasy football kind of um, convention. And they've got, you know, Marcus Allen's going to be there and Michael Irvin's going to be there and all these, you know, nice. former great players. There, I mean, and there's like a list of 20 guys that are going to be there, um, that, you know, and then and then you can have this cool big convention and it's, you know, it's free for anybody, but they're, you know, offering stuff to bloggers. And, and so, like, the, the league office is really good at, like, they're doing an event, you know, leading up to the draft. Like, I actually, so, for instance, on draft day this year, I, I was in Radio City, music hall for the actual draft um, as, as a reporter. But before that, like maybe a couple hours prior, um, they had an event that was where they brought us into there. They have a brand new office on Park Avenue. They brought uh, maybe 30 bloggers in, um, okay. gave them a whole, a whole tour of the office. We sat down in the, um, they call, I can't remember, the command center. It's basically like when anyone <laughs> is signed, like it's like when when players are like fined for like hit, um, that's where they watch it. They have this awesome. I mean, it's it's like literally something you'd see on like twenty four. There's like twelve screens. <laughs> They're using Xbox controllers to like rewind right. the stuff. There's you know I mean you know twelve big screens and then like forty you know smaller kind of panels and it, it's crazy. Funny. So so uh, Ray Anderson, who's kind of like um, the head of that group, uh, officiating all that sort of thing. Um, he, he was there, and Roger Goodell was there. And so all these bloggers wow. were asking Rod, Roger Goodell questions. Um, I don't know if you guys know who Matt Ufford is for SBN. He used to write for Kissing TV Colbert. Um, you know, he asked Roger mm-hmm. Goodell, he's like, who are you? Like, we, we know you're kind of this corporate stuffy, you know, robot, but, like, <laughs> who are you as, like, as, as, like, a real person? You know, he's like, right. like, what do you like to do? And, of course, he gave, you know, a very, you know, I like to spend time with my family, Right. He turned into. He turned. Little, he, yeah. went, he went Jiminy Glick on him. <laughs> what, is, yeah. what does yeah. Andrew Goodell do? What does it? Because I'm really kind of curious. What does What does Andrew Goodell do? So, oh, that's so yeah, great. I mean, it, so yeah, so I mean, I would say the legal office is being very progressive about those sorts of things. The teams have their own rules, and they make right. their own rules as they go. Um, and so I would say, you know, if like if anybody's listening and you're a blogger and you 
and you want to, you know, be part of stuff in the NFL, start with the league office first because they're probably going to be more receptive than than the the Jets or or Giants. Right. Because I think they're they're just afraid of kind of what what these guys do. They don't know if they can trust them. They understand that everybody makes mistakes. And, you know, I I make mistakes. I made mistakes when I was there last week. But, but, you know, like at the same time, like I think they just – they're afraid of opening – the the floodgate, you know, what if they let one guy in, they gotta let everybody. What's right. what's the distinction for for this guy versus that guy? You know, it's tough for them. So I, you know, I feel for them, but at the same time, like I certainly think they need to do more specific events that are geared for that audience because there's so right. many great Jets bloggers. Like I'm just one, and I mean, I read everybody. I read, you know. Jets Twit, and I read Gangling Nation, and, and, you know, I love, I love uh, you know, Green Lantern. I love all those guys. And, and I mean, because we're all Jets, right, at the end of the day. Um, yep. And I just, I would love them to get more access. But, you know, it's like, that's just not what they're about right now, unfortunately. Right. And now uh, Cal has, Cal has a, uh, I want Cal to ask you this, because Cal has had this point for a long time. And I want to remind him, before we let you go, uh, to ask you about this. But Cal has long had a theory. Uh, I mean, we've we've been doing this show over two and a half years. Has long had a theory about Rex Ryan and about how he he can't help himself. And he has he he has no filter. And actually, Cal. Well, let's, and I, let, well, let's let Cal. Let's let Cal. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead, Cal. No, Steve, you're doing you're doing fine. Just keep you know keep going. No, no. Go ahead. <laughs> I wanted to remind you because I didn't want you to forget to ask about it. I did not forget. No. Fine. And PJ reminded our producer reminded us too. So. That's a good point. The um, no, my theory on Rex is he he can't help himself. Like he said, he can't help himself. This is just who he is. It's it's his nature to to be you know boastful and 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 confident. And what we've seen since last off season is he's trying to temper that a little bit. I don't know if he's, if he's trying to change, but he's certainly trying to temper that emotion a little bit. And, but every now and then, it sneaks out a little bit. And, and he talks about how you know, they're going to be a top-five defense. And, you know, and, but, but overall, since last January, we have seen kind of like you know, the kinder, gentler Rex Ryan, certainly the more svelte Rex Ryan, he looks great, by the way. I mean, the amount of weight that he's lost, he looks mm-hmm. great. Oh, yeah. You know? Um, do, do you think that he'll be able to play this part where he doesn't want to open himself up to the criticism that he's, that he's taken over the last three years with his boasts and his guarantees, and, and he's, he seems to be making a conscious effort to temper that? Do you think that he's going to be able to continue that or will the real Rex Ryan eventually rear his head mm. at some point during this year, especially if things start going bad? It's a great question. And, I mean, I do think that, you know, if, if left to himself, right, I, I agree with you. I do think that he struggles with the, with the idea of, um, you know, not being able to, to you know, you know, gush about his players or, you know, all of those sorts of things that we've, we've seen him do or make predictions or those sorts of things. And I think, I think at the end of the day, it comes down to like a couple things. Like he says all those things because he, he is confident and, um, but you know, it's like, 
you don't get to becoming a head coach of a team or, you know, to, to becoming a, a professional athlete without really believing in yourself. And, you know, whether it's you're deluding yourself in the case of certain players or, or really truly believing, like, I am special, I do have these abilities, I can do this stuff, um, you know, like, that that has to be part of that. Like, if you're, if you're a defeatist person, you're probably not going to, be, make it to the level of becoming a professional athlete because it's it's you know there's so many hurdles and so many reasons why things wouldn't go your way and so many chances for you to stop. Um, so so like in in some ways I guess what I'm, what I'm trying to say is like like I don't fault him for being that way um, and I think the fact that he believes in his players as much as he does it's like it's it, it, it's admirable it's it's borderline naive like it is borderline naive um but yeah like you know kind of coming back to like can he help himself and, and what will happen like um you know one of the things he, he said and i'm sure you guys read it if, if you didn't go back and look for it the um the article about the sensei did you guys see that like in the middle of july uh jenny prentice for this star ledger wrote this article um about rex ryan um basically kind of having a crisis of, you know, crisis moment after the loss at the end of the season and everything blew up. And he really took that opportunity to reassess what he was doing, where he was going, all that sort of thing. Yeah. And and he ha- he has this kind of secret sensei. He won't say who it is. Right. Um, yeah. That, okay. Okay. yeah. Okay. So, so you know what I'm talking about, right? Yep. So, yeah. so like, so what I would say is like, uh, I mean, it's, it sounds ridiculous to say, but I think if he keeps talking to whoever that person is, like, I think that he'll stand a better chance of, like, be, being accountable to that as the season goes along. But I do think, you know, the one big thing that I've seen, you know, you know, on the first press conference he gave at training camp and just some of the stuff he's done in terms of his players since then, um, it leads me to believe that I do think that he gets it and, and he does understand that, like, I was putting undue pressure on my players. Like, I didn't mean it that way. I literally meant it as, like, I believe we're a great football team. I believe we're a team that can win a Super Bowl. Um, but, like, you don't need to tell, uh, you know, the New York beat that because they're basically, kind of as we were talking about earlier, they're going to take that and, and run with it and say, look, look at what he said. Like, you know, it's like he can believe that in his heart, but he doesn't need to tell them that. And and what I would say is, like, the beat reporters tested him early. I love Bob Clowder, who writes for Newsday. Like, he's one of the greatest guys to ever get the chance to be up or talk to him. He's fantastic. He's literally one of my favorite people on the planet. Um, and he, it was, like, one of the first days of training camp. He basically was, like, trying to bait Rex into saying something. I can't remember. He said, like, he said something like, you know, what do you think about this team? Like, he, I, he said something that would kind of, make it seem like the team was just going to be a mediocre team. And you could see, like, Rex's reaction, like, just <laughs> physical reaction to the question yeah. that Bob asked. He was kind of like, are you kidding me? Like, what are you trying to do? Like, like, like I, you know, I believe this team's a good team. And, like, you could tell in his physical reaction to Bob's question, he was like, I, like, you're, like, you're trying to, like, poke me here. I guess. Right. But I it, see what you're doing, time, and I don't like right. it. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, you know, then you know, then he's you know talking about how great he is as a defensive coach. So like, so right, you know, it's like it's it's this tough thing. But you know, I, mean, I do think that he's learning from things. He's not just letting players say, you, like in years past, he said, you can say anything you want to the media as long as you say two nice.
we all realized that it probably wasn't the smartest thing to say, but, like, you can't do that kind of stuff. So he would have never done that, I don't think, in years past. And right. so he, he realizes, like, we got to control what we're doing in the public a little bit. I don't want you to not be yourself. I think that's the big thing. Be yourself, but also be, you know, be considerate of everybody else. Right. Yeah. I think I think one of the uh, and, and and we're going to let you go in just a second, Brian. But I think one of the just the last note on Rex uh, is uh, I you can watch the press conferences. Like I've been watching Rex's press conferences mm-hmm. for a long time, you know, um, and they're on NewYorkJets.com. I mean, most of the live press conferences are on, and they have been mm-hmm. from training camp this whole time. Sure. And it's yeah. it's it's somewhat remarkable to watch the press conference while seeing your Twitter timeline and then an hour later reading what the beat folks have taken out of his press conference. It's, it's remarkable because you sit, you sit there and you see, you know, guys and girls taking stories that or making stories out of what were either innocuous comments or, or, uh, He's clearly Rex is clearly joking around. I mean, Rex is joking with them, laughing mm-hmm. with them, and then an yeah. hour later, there's there's an article about how he said he's the greatest guy ever, you know, or whatever right. it is. Like the the the, yeah. the misinterpretation of Lauren Hill and Rex Ryan is uh, is remarkable. I mean, it's it's remarkable <laughs> if you yeah. actually just sit and watch these, you know, listen to his press conference. Yeah, I mean, most of his press conferences, you know, a stand-up routine, a bad stand-up routine, you know, like, I love mm-hmm. him, like, don't get me wrong, but, like, he, he's basically telling jokes, you know, one of which gets a huge laugh, and nine of which are just kind of like, I, yeah, it's kind of funny, but it's not that funny, like, so, so, right, it's like, he, he's, he's saying a lot of stuff that's, like, because he is kind of just being himself, goofy, you know, kind of funny, whatever, but at the same time, right, they, they take that, they take it as gospel. You know, this is, this, oh, he said this, right, exactly, yeah. You can almost That's see it. them giggling, you know, like, uh, oh, boy, <laughs> he, he just gave it to me. Beautiful. Because you can hear the reporters, like, I know their voices now. You know, I right. know his, oh, yeah. I know what Gary Myers sounds like, or I know what Manish sounds like, or whatever, and, and you hear their voices and, like, asking these leading questions, and they're like, oh, please, give it to me. Oh, please, 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 say you're the best defensive coach in football. You did it! Oh, that was great. Oh, that was fantastic. Uh, <laughs> Brian, we're going to let you go. Um, one last thing, uh, our, our producer, we were talking about Chinese food at the top of the show. Yeah. We didn't get a chance to say our... Uh, so we're going to let you bring us back to nice. the top of the show, and we're going to ask you your go-to Chinese food order. Ooh, man. Uh, you know, I am a, like, for for many years, I was a general South guy, but in the last couple of years, I started going, like, orange peel beef. That's my favorite one. Ooh. That's definitely my favorite one. But you know what? Like, I would say, like, I've been turned on to, and I don't really know the dishes, but, like, Sichuan, like real like Sichuan Chinese. I've started like finding a place that actually does like the legit stuff. And I mean, oh, it's my. super spicy and like burn your face off stuff. But like right. that is quickly becoming my my favorite. Um, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I would say like out of your kind of standard uh, Chinese place, I would say orange peel beef is my is my favorite. Beautiful. Well, Brian, thank you so much for uh, and. 
Boy, that other stuff is like next level stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Well, guys, thanks Uh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Please, uh, you know, come on again during the season. Uh, Hopefully, they get off to a great start because it's going to be a it's going to be crazy town here if they lose the first two games. (laughs) But uh, and and uh, keep up the great work. Thanks, Brian. Great. Thank you. You guys do the same. Thanks. Thanks, Brian. So uh, there you have it, Cal. All right, let me do the, the, the you like that fade? Wow, that was, that was uh, boy, what did we do there, an hour and a half? Uh, we did a lot. How do you feel? Sponsors, we, the you know sponsors what? We got a lot are going crazy. I've got two hours of commercials to run. <laughs> <laughs> the heck is the matter with you people? We're not getting paid this week. No one's getting paid. Ah. Uh, go to Chinese, Cal. Go to Chinese chicken and string beans. Get that. Is spicy or no? A little spicy. Light chicken spice. And, chicken string beans over a little white rice. Any uh, appetizers in there? Uh, fried dumplings. Of course. Uh, fried dumplings, pork dumplings, chicken, vegetable. Pork. All right. PJ, go to Chinese food. Look, I can talk about Chinese food all night. I'm not allowed. I'm not allowed to eat it podcast. anymore. This is no. a little unfair because I'm not allowed to eat it anymore. At all? Chinese food to me, not really. Right. What if they steam it? Nice. I could steam things at home. But the Chinese food to me. Look, I was from Staten Island. Chinese food was basically like salty candy. <laughs> Things, things that were in syrups or deep fried or super salty. It was like, it was, it was just, it was just a sensory explosion. Especially when you you spend your whole week having uh, a dish of macaroni with every meal. Right. It was, it was very, very different. Um, this is how you spend sixty dollars on Chinese food. Please for lunch. <laughs> right. For lunch. That's the great line in Fatso. Like, I could ju- you ate six. I could you ate forty dollars a time. food. <laughs> At the time, was two bags full. Right, forty dollars in nineteen eighty-three of Chinese yeah. food. That's a lot of food. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry. What were you gonna say? Well, I want I want to tell you my nostalgic favorite, and then I want to also tell you about um, the most horrific uh, Chinese food dish I've ever had. Oh boy. Um, my nostalgic favorite, because I have not had it in, a, in about two years, but it would be the first thing I would order, uh, is a big old plate of pork egg foo young with the brown sauce. Oh, man. Nice job. You feel you feel me on that? It's, that's the one that's kind of like an omelet. Yeah. But but it's got some veggies you've never seen before in there also. You go egg foo young, Cal? I can go egg foo young. Yeah. Really? It took me a long time. It's, that mystery brown sauce, ooh, that's good. good. It's like straight MSG mm-hmm. and cornstarch. I mean, it's just so good. And then you take a nap. And then you're hungry again. I was never hungry again because I ate so much. Right. <laughs> you know, you when, you, when, when you start with five shrimp toast. A shrimp toast, Wow. Yeah, those were greasy. And then you have a couple of things on sticks. 
beef on stick. I was the guy. This is how fat I was, and your brother was with me on this too. We would order. Uh, we were the guys who would order the take-home poo-poo platter. Wow. Where you get your own sterno lamp, and they give you everything in foil, and you light your own fire on the table. That's right. And then you hold everything over the fire. And like, we were like the only guys who would ever do it. You want poo-poo platter? Yes. Yes, please. The home, the the home kit. Right. Hey, give us the home kit. You take the little sterno home. The poo-poo platter home game. First time, we didn't know how to put out the sterno. That's right. Because we, we threw out the lid. We didn't realize you put the lid back on, it went you out. You put the lid back on. None yeah. of you were just, catering, clearly. No, no. We had no idea. Right. There were there were beverages involved, too. Um, sure. What's the most disgusting dish? I went with my friend who is Chinese, and she took me to authentic Chinese from her neighborhood, which was Chinatown. I think they just call and it... And she ordered me, uh, among some other fantastic over-the-moon dishes. I mean, completely great. But but the two that that absolutely killed me, uh, one was a dish of feet. Oh boy, um, pigs. Wait, oh sorry, feet. Feet, pigs' feet, chicken feet. Um, which she wanted me really to see because she wanted me to understand that this is what her grandmother made her uh, eat. Uh, and the other one was um, squab, which I went for at first until I, I, someone else told me, you know, squab is pigeon. And that just turned me right off. I could not eat a New York pigeon. Can't do it. I know where they live. You just saw it. <laughs> you're, you're way into the restaurant. You just saw right. it. I know this guy. I recognize his face. I'm not eating this. Yeah, so squab and feet. No thank you. But, uh, yeah. Steve, your go-to. It's quite simple. It's uh, And by the way, my brother, who PJ is referring to, I think had a minor in Chinese food ordering. (laughs) Uh, He almost took Mandarin as a second language. Yeah, did a couple of years down at uh, the Sichuan uh, University because um, my mother is, is a bona fide, dyed-in-the-wool Chinese food junkie, uh, which meant as a child uh, you got a lot of experimentation. So now, though, now it's um, uh, small, boneless spare ribs, well done. Ooh. Have to be have to be well done. Uh, like crunchy to the point of, of like, char? Almost, almost to the point of char. Okay. You, you gotta, you know what you gotta do, Kelly. You gotta find a place that does it right. Hard to find. That's it. That's it. You gotta find a greasy spoon noodle, greasy noodle spoon uh, that that does it right. And fortunately, we found one in Bayside uh, that just they they have my order down. Uh, so go with that. We go with a dumpling of some sort, always shared. Of course. Uh, sometimes fried, sometimes steamed. Depends. Maybe a Friday it's uh, fried. Saturday it's steamed. Would you get Chinese food back-to-back nights like that? No, no, I'm saying if it was <laughs> different weeks. I've oh, done it. I've done it. Oh, we've we all done four, it. Yeah, four days' worth. Um, <laughs> and then uh, a small chicken lo mein. I love it. Uh, or uh, Kung Pao. Love Kung Pao. Kung Pao combo with uh, fried rice. 
Pork fried rice. Italians tend to really like the lo mein, I've noticed. Pork fried rice. Yeah, because, you know, it's like uh, it's like ginzaloon, you know, Chinese ginzaloon sort of spaghetti. I mean, it's just... Little, it, yeah. That, it's, that, uh, lo mein is a good intro to Chinese food if you have a, a cousin who's never tried it and, and is afraid of it. You're like, no, look, it's a bowl of spaghetti. Yep, no, you're. I brought uh, Teresa, as I was saying uh, earlier, about her being from Texas. Like, they don't know from... They don't know from Chinese food like we know Chinese food. I mean, it'd be like me going the first time I went and ordered barbecue at like Salt Lick in Austin, and they're laughing at me. I'm like, should I get the brisket? I don't know. You know, brisket. What's that now? That's the beef. You know, they, they. they I didn't know what I was doing. Does it come with the sauce on the side? <laughs> Is this gonna be fatty? <laughs> Bark. I don't think I want anything to do with bark. I don't know. So she, you know, and she she was like that with Chinese food until she met me. And now, you know, she uh, goes, now, let's clear this up while we're here because it's a sports talk podcast. General, I've heard it many different ways. And I, my favorite joke is, of course, I served under him for uh, in, the, in the Clone Wars. But is it General... Sows, General Sows, General I've heard General Chows. Can we come to a, an agreement on this? I go I go General Sow. Okay. Peach? It's eight ninety nine. I don't care what you call it. <laughs> General tea, General Tea Bags Chicken. I don't care what you call it. <laughs> I I know what it is. <laughs> it's the awesome chicken with the peppers that you don't dare eat. That's right. That's right. That was a, that was a big uh, had to advise Teresa. No, 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 don't do that. Right. If you That's I know you <clears throat> Right. I know you like spicy stuff, but you'll be very angry. These are actually weapons. <laughs> That's right. That these are weapon grade uranium. You That's know what I why be, he's uh, a general. <laughs> <laughs> I used to be a big uh mushu pork guy. Very big. Ooh, build your own. With the pancakes and the build your own. That was now you're combining like three things. Now you have like Chinese food in there, you have tacos in there. And then uh you have, you know, like a noodle sort of feel in there as well. And also sweet. There's sweet in there somehow. There is yes. No one's mentioned soup yet. I'm not a soup. And I don't think anybody starts without some soup. Well, I don't do it. You don't do any of the soups? No hot and sour? Don't do it. No wonton? No wonton egg drop? Used to love uh, both wonton and egg drop. Can't do it now. I don't have time. You know what I do? I do I do a nice chicken rice soup in the winter sometimes. By itself, though, or as a starter? As a starter. Really? That's girly. Which is, yeah, it's not Chinese food. <laughs> wow. That's what no, I do. You didn't have to do them like that, Peach. No, he's right. That's a little fay. That's okay. It's all right. Any, anybody with the shark fin? Anybody do that? No. No. No, no, no. I don't eat fish, like, regularly. I'm certainly not going to trust a <laughs> a greasy noodle down the street. Uh, I'm not you asking know. you if you do the blowfish. I'm asking right. you about shark fin. <laughs> if I do the piranha? I, uh... Now, you guys eat sushi, right? I'm not... I know that's Japanese food, but I'm I'm just... I'm switching gears a little bit. We could bit do here. a whole Pan-Asian cuisine night. Well, well, we are. I mean, we talked about the Jets for an hour and a half. But, you know, why not? Why not wrap it up with this? Is the the fun load? 
By the way, guys, excellent questions. Oh, thank you. I mean, you know, if you guys were bombing, you know that I would have interrupted and started asking about cookies or something. <laughs> but I, I thought it was Brian Bassett, stuff. what's your favorite movie? That's right. <laughs> Superman 2, superior, inferior, or solid? <laughs> we should have had him play solid. We should have had him play solid. We should make that a rule. We're if having a guest. Good, yeah, they should have to play uh, rated... Or uh, overrated, underrated. There it is. All right, hey, let's do the uh, Chinese food edition. Do it. It's like extreme makeover. Home and let's, let's do the Chinese food edition of uh, overrated, underrated solid. I think we've done it. <laughs> The fortune the music. Cookie. I'm contractually obligated to play the music three times. Right. That <laughs> fortune that's, cookie. That's overrated, great. underrated, or solid? Well, let me ask you, since you mentioned sushi, do you do, you do sashimi? Do you ever do it uh, no rice? No. I don't do sushi, period. No, no. Oh, I thought you, I thought you were bringing that up because you like sushi. No, I was bringing it up because I know you guys. I want actually. I want. I know you do, PJ. I want to find out if Cal likes sushi. That girly sushi again. <laughs> California roll. That's legit. A little salmon on top of the white rice. All right, you will do that though. That's salmon legit. Yeah, that's I. Boy, you way. I, I won't even get the crab or whatever. No. But I'll tell you. But you know what? Sushi aficionados make fun of me all the time. Oh, you're you're yeah. You would be a lightweight sushi guy. Oh yeah. Well, but you you eat it. I I hey I'm you know I'm in the uh, what do you call it the tempura class. But, you might better get a little get a little fried. So what? Yeah, but that's all I'll eat. I can't get stuff from a sushi place. That's it. I I get tempura and I get oh beef and uh, chicken negamaki. I will do. That's good. You know why I eat sushi? And you're going you're gonna to laugh. Well, you know what? You're going to say typical PJ. Because when I eat enough sushi... Typical PJ. I feel mighty. <laughs> it is such a blast of protein. After I eat a big plate of sushi, I could probably lift a car. <laughs> wow. It, it's amazing. It's probably that plus the wasabi... I have seen you after a, a session at Monster Sushi. Remember we used to go there all the time, Peach? That, well, that's a place to get silly. Right. Because they, was... they pride themselves in serving you more than is probably healthy to consume. Cal, that was a, uh, that was a pre-band uh, rehearsal spot for them. Monster Sushi? Monster Sushi. Monster Sushi. Formerly 20th... Godzilla Sushi till they were sued. Right. 23rd and 6th, maybe, Peach? Uh, yeah, 20, right in that neighborhood, 23rd, yeah. right around there. And Cal, he used to come to, uh, to band rehearsal, like, fly in the door, like, excuse me, Lois, <laughs> Jimmy, <laughs> we have band rehearsal. Was he, was he eating the HGH chicken? <laughs> <laughs> he had there the, was, uh, the Milky there Cabrera There's something chicken. about it, Cal, I'm telling you, there's something about, uh, it. Uh, you get yourself a good plank of, of a spicy tuna roll or um, some yellowtail. Yeah. The only word I could I could think of, you feel mighty. I can't do it. 
Good for you. I've but tried. You get sushi stomach. You know, I do. Sushi stomach is, is a real phenomenon where the stomach calls the brain and says, I'm sending this back. And the brain's like, no, it's good. Dude, it was 20 bucks. Don't send it back. <laughs> Keep it do down. You, do you know how much we no. paid for this? Yeah. No, your brain always has to do the pep talk. Yeah. You you do realize we're eating raw fish. Look, listen, be quiet. Do you see twenty two dollars for this roll? Right. It's two pieces of fish. Um, I want to go back to uh, uh, the four, we're about to run out of time for the live show. So if you're listening to the live show, thank you so much for tuning in. We're going to go into overtime now. You can check it out on the web. Uh, and also, uh, thank you so much to everybody who's been downloading the show. Um, a lot of people are downloading the show. It's awesome. We're having a blast doing it. Please keep doing it. Um, so we're going to go into overtime now and, and answer Cal's question. And you'll just have to wait till you're on the treadmill, uh, to, uh, overrated, underrated salad for the fortune cookie. So, uh, I'm going to, uh, give you a little teaser. I'm going overrated. Wow. Anyone? I think the fortune cookie is way overrated. EJ, I prefer the almond cookie. I'm going to agree. Fortune cookie's overrated. And and I'll make it the trifecta. It's overrated and excellent call on the almond cookie, TJ. That is completely underrated. And I'll you tell know, you this. My wife makes the almond cookie. Go on. In batches <laughs> of in batches of a hundred. I can get you boxes of the almond cookie. I'm listening. With superior almonds on top, too. Can you get him personalized boxes of the almond cookie? My wife blanches her own almonds. Wow. Woo. Wow. Yeah, this is a special. Get, is, it, is it getting warm in here? I, uh, I do declare. <laughs> I, do declare. <laughs> I do believe I have the vapors. I, uh, my dad had the greatest, uh, and he really did have this and do this. My dad had the uh, the greatest fortune cookie fortune in his he carried it in his wallet cuz he he got it and people would not believe that he got it and he carried it in his wallet for a really long time. It was very funny. Uh and that was <clears throat> you will be hungry in an hour. <laughs> that was this. That was the fortune in his fortune cookie. And it was from a Chinese buffet, by the way. Not a, not a regular Chinese place. It was from a Chinese buffet. That's which I was, yeah, I thought was super ironic. You will be hungry in an hour. I will, um, I will tell you, though, if you make your own fortune cookies, if you're that kind of guy like I am, I have a problem. Um, they can be excellent. That you make almond, almond yeah, that, cookies, that's... you make your fortune cookies. What's going on yeah. there? Yeah, well, that pasty dough that you that you actually fold into that little envelope um, can be much better than what you currently get in the little, you know, individually wrapped, awful cookies that come out of Ohio. Yeah, I think it's I think <laughs> has the heartbeat of the Asian American community. Yeah, no, it's 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 a in shame. In, <laughs> in Centerville, Ohio, just really they they yeah. they have their finger on the pulse. They're a couple I mean, of you years live, old, you too, live in I Brooklyn. Can you name an Asian bakery? Right, that's a good Nobody, point too, Cal. Yeah, does. and those are two great points. They're a couple years old. By the time they get to us, yeah, you know the the fortune in there is like Nixon will not be a great president. <laughs> 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 
But also, yeah, how many uh, Asian American bakeries do you see? Now they make that. Now let me throw this out. Uh, overrated, underrated, uh, solid. Uh, the sweet roll. Because now you go down to like Chinatown, you get this or sweet bun. That's what I'm thinking of. Chow Shibao? If you say so. Come on. I I I've only had it as the sweet roll. The Chow Shibao is the breast of food. Get out, everybody! You must go to it. You must feel its softness and warmth, and you must love it. What? What is it? It is the bosom of Chinese food. Have you never had one of those, Cal? I've never. No. A a sweet sweet bun, right? It's called. Peach. I believe I've told you what they're called. All right. Yeah, but for those of us who uh, you know didn't do. yeah, Three it's in the years. bun category. You, sometimes they're filled with uh, uh, a chopped sweet pork. Sometimes they're filled with yes. red bean paste. Sometimes doughy, they're filled doughy cow. Doughy, doughy. Is anything. You've never. It, I mean, the Italians never came up with anything as doughy as this. And bite uh, your tongue. And steamed, right? Uh, steamed, uh, or you know, sometimes a little bit flash baked because they get that that crust and that color. Oh. Around it. I've only had, uh, you know where I had one, Cal? Down on Main Street in Flushing. Oh, well, of course. Right, I was doing a job down there, uh, a deposition or whatever, and me and the court reporter went out at lunch, and he's like, I got this great place. They have the best sweet buns uh, ever. We went and had one. It does not look unlike a breast. Thank you. <laughs> he's not wrong there. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> uh, wait. When you get a couple of these things, you're kind of going, Mommy. <laughs> I'm going to go with underrated. But they have they have entire places that are built on those, right? Oh, yeah. Right. That's like... House of Sweet Buns? That's right. That's <laughs> It's not an IHOP. That's all they do, though. Yeah, because these places specialize in, in making these fillings that will just knock you out. Right, they have like 30 different kinds of them. I uh now do, do you uh, let's do this overrated underrated solid the chinese buffet because if you grew up on long island or or even in brooklyn or queens you like the chinese buffet as, yeah. as uh what's his name Ralphie what was his name Ralphie Panette who's the comedian That's Oh the, uh John Panette John Panette, that's the famous, you, you've been here four hours, right? <laughs> the Chinese buffet. I, eh, pretty, pretty good. I've moved away from it over the years, just from a cleanliness standpoint. Ooh. Didn't no, think of it I, that way. I got to say, for me, it's a young man's game. <laughs> and a very old man's game. <laughs> that's right. But, uh... After my 20s, I started to shun the buffet. Did you get the ice cream at the Chinese buffet? Always. Always. How about the pudding? The, oh, always. The pudding and, right, the soft serve ice cream. They always had a soft serve ice cream machine, which when you're like 15 is like, all right, so you're telling me there's all the Chinese food I can eat. There's like a chicken lo mein out the, you know, 
out the door and soft serve ice cream that I pour myself. All for three ninety nine. <laughs> now what, you're what they, they stack you, those little dishes next to the ice cream machine, the little three inch balls. But you go right. over there, you go to the dessert part with the nine inch plate. <laughs> <laughs> and you play Tom Carvel. Yeah. It's That's a little right. Venetian uh Venetian hour. And you Cal- never you never <laughs> eat the uh jello with the fruit in it. Ever. Sure I do. Oh, you did? So you're sure. the one. You're the guy. I went I went around the world on those places. <laughs> yeah, they you much like John Panette, they saw you coming. Yeah. <laughs> like a a twenty two year old PJ in college, like they, up in Binghamton, they must have been like, Look, this guy doesn't get in here anymore, all right? They draw the right. shades and pretend like they're clear. <laughs> right. <laughs> Shut the lights, he's coming. Right. Uh, we had a big Everybody quiet. You go back to your car. Do me a favor. Here he comes. Get the jello out of here. <laughs> All right? <laughs> you know you you know you frequent a place too much and you're a little too big when they like pull like seven items when they see yeah. you coming. Oh, you we don't, don't have crab legs today. What do you mean you don't have crab legs? <laughs> What are you talking about? Beef with broccoli? That's it? That's all you got? Yes, uh, that's correct. Maybe that's why I turned away. They 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 were wise to me. I I'm gonna give you another. Uh, uh, let me give you guys another one. I had buddies. We used to get Chinese food at work or whatever. Like once a week, they would order, uh, you know, for lunch and stuff. And I had guys that would get always get. And I saw this in Brooklyn too. When I moved to Brooklyn, chicken wings. Yes. What's up with that? Like fried chicken wings. Yeah, or the chicken fingers. Even. Or the chicken well, sure, fingers they, from they Chinese They taste fingers. very different because they use the different oil. I, I never did it. Yeah, they taste very different. Was I missing something? Was it like the anti-KFC? Was it like... It was, right, it was nowhere near KFC. It was a Because I'll, I'll never do it now. Different flavor. Really? Guys, you, you should, should probably the... stay away from chicken wings as a rule. I have a friend... <laughs> I have a friend who ate chicken wings because uh, there was nothing else good in his cafeteria, he claimed. He ate chicken wings for the, his first month at college. First uh, month? Every, first month, <laughs> 30 days. Uh, it was his lunch. Was he would go to the cafeteria and only get chicken wings. Is it Morgan Spurlock? <laughs> well, he had liver failure. And they blamed the chicken wings. They're like, you can't eat that many chicken wings, sir. That's too much chicken skin. You can't do it. What a stunning you, turn of events. You can't get a skinless wing, as far as I know. Uh, and in other news, the sun came up the next day while he was... You can't do that. The man ate bacon at every meal. Yeah, you can't eat chicken wings at every lunch. You can't. Wow. These were no. probably not good chicken wings, either. No. I mean, this was, you these, know... These were the kind you get in the college cafeteria. Right. <laughs> You're up in Binghamton, New York. For those they of weren't you poisoned. Know. I mean, no. you know, they, they were just what they were, and you can't eat that many chicken wings. No. They weren't Tyson, were they? I have no comment on that. <laughs> the, Tyson, the Tyson people also have no comments on that, by the way. That's right. They've called in. Uh, all right, we should uh, we should wrap it up. What do you think? We good? I like... I like how when we go to extra time, it's like overtime soccer, where it's so arbitrary. <laughs> it is. It's good. It feels good. It's you injury just go time. until you're done. Right. It's injury time. Hold on. Bro. I, I want to go back. I want to go all the way back to the beginning of the show, just before you go. Yes, Lily. Yes, the teeth. 
Oh no! Because Cal Cal mentioned uh, retainers, and I I want to see your retainers, and I want to raise you four screws. Oh boy! Into the jaw. Oh my god! That's what she had today. Actual machine screws. Oh my goodness! Into the poor girl's jaw. So she was happy today. Um, she is more of a trooper than I could ever be. Yeah, she's a champion. You said that. You said she'll she'll take this much better than me and her mother will. Yeah, we 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 suspect my wife and I suspect that she's going to be either a great writer or like a great stand up comedian because she's got <laughs> all these years of you would not believe what happened to me the first ten or fifteen years of my life, and all she has to do is just tell the stories. Right. This That's kid right. has been through every medical procedure, uh, you know, of the of the non life threatening variety. Right, thankfully. She does not complain. Nope. That's unreal. Yeah, they had to like not. they had to like pull her teeth back, Cal and Yeah. Oh boy. They're actually pulling her teeth up into her jaw because they actually dropped down too low because she was a thumb sucker. So stay away from that thumb, everybody. Yep. Yep. You see if Wesley goes after it, you hit him with a brick. <laughs> the brick does less damage. I have this great uh uh jet brick. It's uh it's for the jets. It's like uh, styrofoam or like you know rubberized styrofoam that you're supposed to throw at the television for a bad call. <laughs> this is like a bad call in the game. You throw the jet brick at the television because you've always wanted to throw a brick at the TV. And I'll never forget. I had it and we were watching a big jet game. It was years and years and years ago. I I mean I want to say like yeah, like 15 years ago. So it might have been the playoffs in 98, Cal, on the uh, the, the run to the AFC Championship game. Oh, the Denver game? Yeah, and I'm watching a game with Scott, and he had one too. My mother had gotten him as like stocking stuffers for us or whatever. So we're watching the game. We have all the jet gear out, and Scott had just gotten like the – you remember the old Mitsubishi projection, like big screen TVs? Yes. Like this, this was like a big deal. Like he he and his wife had just gotten it. <laughs> it was a bad call in the game, and I took the jet brick and I threw it at it. Wow. Wow. PJ's known my brother a long time, as have you, Cal. Uh, never loses his crap. He lost his crap. <laughs> I was Are you out of your mind? Are you, what, is, what is wrong with you? Are you? What are you, nuts? Do you know how much that television costs? Are you crazy? <laughs> Scott, it's the bad call. It was a bad call. Brick. It's not. It's made of rubberized. Like, are you? I do you? I'm. I don't even care about the money. I don't even care about the money. You just can't be that stupid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just it was so great. I. Wow. I didn't even throw it. I didn't even throw it hard. What's that? I'll bet it put the game in perspective for him. Took him I would pay to see video of that. Oh, it was just so great. It was just like complete oh, like we're like laughing and joking. Oh, what a terrible call and we're all pissed off and, and I grab this bad call brick and I like throw it and it hits like the corner of this mammoth television, by the way. You could have driven a Chevy through this television, you wouldn't have done anything to it. You know what I mean? It was, you could have taken a sledgehammer to it, and the TV would have been like, uh, okay, yeah, what else you got? Still projecting. 
Uh, and I just uh, threw this little rubberized brick thing. It did nothing. Are you nuts? Do you understand the technology involved? <laughs> I, I did not. I did not understand the technology involved. Clearly. <laughs> I still have it. I still have the bad call brick. Maybe I'll bring it out, Cal. Well, let's Maybe hope I'll... you don't have to use it. That's <laughs> Now, if I threw it at his television now, he'd, he'd freak out even more. He's got yeah. some ridiculous 65-inch flat-screen thin panel. Plasma all over the floor. <laughs> What are you I'm, doing? I'm just sitting there with a brick in my hand. It was a bad call. That could be like a fun thing to do. Like every time we go to visit Scott, bring <laughs> something to throw at his TV. <laughs> bring, bring, we bring bad call bricks. We just throw them at his TV. <laughs> Test his reaction time. Like, what, are you, what are you doing? What are you guys doing? Uh, all right, let's wrap it. PJ, final on those. I have not really slept. In four days, uh, I've been working on the PGA. Uh, I missed my opportunity to buddy up with Nance, um, so I'm just going to go and and sleep. Very good, well done. Tell Jimmy Nance we said hello. I will. Uh, if you if you do catch him, P. Uh, oh, Cap final I was watching the Jet preseason game last week, and my daughter who has no interest in football whatsoever, or so I thought, wandered into the room, saw the Jets on the television, and exclaimed, Oh, cool, Jets! And I thought I went to heaven. Right then and there. That's wow. Great. I'm not even going to... I'm not. That's it. Good night, everybody. That's, uh... Wow. Calvin. It was just, like, WTF. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations, Cal. You won the final on those. I wasn't wow. trying to win. I you didn't yeah, I know you weren't. That's the beauty part of it. I'm not even putting an entry in. Uh we'll be back next week with an all new ready to unload. Special thanks to Brian uh, Bassett from the Jetsblog.com on the SNY.tv network of blogs. And boys, we're getting very close to having a sponsor. So check that out. Uh coming up soon. All right. Drop your F bombs now, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see you next week. With Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.